Hello and welcome back to the Raspberry Podcast. Today I am joined by Ben Poppleton. Ben is about as old school as it gets when it comes to UK jiu-jitsu. Uh, he's been training since as long as jiu-jitsu has been in the country pretty much. Uh, he's one of the very first people in the country to get their black belt and he actually spent a lot of time in Brazil with the Gracies way back in the day. So he has some really cool stories. Um, I've been wanting to get Ben on the podcast for a really long time. Finally, our schedules uh, are lined up and I managed to have a sit down and a chat with him, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, he, he's a, le- a pretty legendary character in UK jiu-jitsu, especially up north where they view him as uh, pretty much like Ned Stark, but slightly more alive. Uh, but I had a really good time chatting to Ben and I hope you guys enjoy listening. Check it out. Cool, man. Excellent. Let's do it. Yeah. Firstly, uh, Ben, been really looking forward to doing this for ages. How you been? I'm all right. I think you're going to regret <laughs> this immensely. <laughs> um, do you know what I want to get sorted first? Are you the first UK BJJ black belt? I don't think so. I think, I, I, I think I'm the first one that got it from a Gracie. Definitely the one that the first one got it in Brazil. First one who got it from a Gracie because when what year did you get your black belt? Very early, two thousand six. Okay, so I know for a fact that yeah. on UK soil, Mauricio gave it to Rick and Jude, Jude and Mark, Mark before yeah. me, and I'm pretty okay. sure that you also had. It's is it Scott Goddard and I think somebody okay. Jamie Walsh, but I think they'd moved to the USA. So okay. I'm pretty sure they were um, US residents at the time. And then you've got Roger Brooking. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he was a Brazilian resident yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first one, I think, was actually Jude. And yeah, I think he was it's because in front of the queue. But I think it was because of alphabetical order. So he was lucky in that regard. Really? I think about it. Is that right? Does that make sense? Rick Young, Mark uh, Walder? Yeah. Yeah. Samuels, yeah. Yeah. So I think he got it first, but whenever I meet Jude, I always remind him that I got mine off of Gracie first, <laughs> so it's don't count. <laughs> but he's bigger than me, he is. so I smile about it, or he'll kick the shit out of me. Yeah. So I'm really, you know, you're, you're, you're a massive part of UK Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu history, and one of the things that uh, I never intended to do, but I managed to do with this podcast, it was, was to create this incredible, almost a database, a recollection of UK Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu history. And why not? Exactly, yeah. absolutely, you know, and, and, and whilst still having the people who were pioneers of the sport of the early days, like yourself, like Jude, like Mark. I won't come as a pioneer. <laughs> I'd like him to send to it being a field and me being a dog shit, in <laughs> I just happen to be there. But yeah, 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 yeah. But that's it. Sometimes that's all it needs to be a pioneer is you just got to be in the right place at the right that's time, true. right? Yeah. And early enough. Yeah. So uh, a real pleasure to sit down and chat with you today and yeah. kind of fill in another piece of that puzzle. More uh, than a pleasure. So let's start off with how you got into martial arts let's start off with you younger you know yeah uh i get asked that a few times i don't think it's any any different to everybody else to be honest um young lads fight don't yeah they? and if you've got anybody in your family that did it you did it even more yeah my my dad is probably weirder than me which is hard to guess he look <laughs> he looks like yoda with faris on <laughs> um and he, he trained all of his life. I yeah. mean, he did powerlifting when he was 16, 17, boxed, wrestled, all sorts of really? crap. Really? Wow. Um, so from being a kid, I was always, you know, involved in, how could I say it, sort of the idea of combat and scrapping. Sure, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, like I watch what you do and it makes me smile. Like you've got your own setup for training. And, I, and it reminds me of being a kid and I yeah. got my dad to put a... He's got a big like farmhouse. Yeah. We a big back garden. Uh-huh. I, and I got him to put a spotlight in yard. 
So at night on winters, I could drag you a tire up and down. Awesome. Like a nutcase. I'm yeah. 11. Yeah. Jesus, I should have had better. I should have been sat indoors playing with myself, shouldn't I? Like, yeah. <laughs> not me, I was dragging tires up and down. Um, so then it came to, yeah, so boxing first. Right. So we started that. Uh, never really any good. Mm. Not really. Amateur. No good, really. Um, you, you fought amateur? Never fought. Okay. But it's bad. In, in the town, loads of decent boxing gyms. Used to go down to them. Um, and I had a friend as well, a very, very, very close friend. <laughs> to be honest, he's always been there. So it, it might be more of a, a habit than a friendship, to be honest. Sure. He's just there. <laughs> yeah. Having something in your pocket that you don't get rid of. Yeah. And he used to box as well. So by the time we got to what I would say the late teens, we used to end up training together. Yeah. And we'd, we'd box a lot in gardens and in summer in parks. And when our friends started renting houses in their back gardens and their front gardens. Yeah. And we used to just enjoy scrapping. Sometimes we'd be drunk. And we used the big 16-ounce gloves. And we noticed very early on that you ended up getting hold of each other and scuffling. Sure. And down we went. And we, when we were kids, uh, they don't have it anymore. But the, what happened in the 70s and 80s is the catch wrestlers went on World of Sport and Grandstand and other Saturday morning television programs. Wow, I did And they not used know to have that. wrestling on. Yeah, Mick McManus, uh, Big Daddy, Giant uh -huh, Haystacks, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Brian Brian Glover, was it? Yeah, um, and and so you'd have it was like it was a farce, but it was actually proper stuff. Okay. So I mean, you wouldn't want to actually have a fight with it's 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 not like WWE now. Uh, yeah, but it, it's now. like pro wrestling, but more realistic moves. Imagine, yeah. Well, I'd say it was the same, but it was not the equivalent, but like it's Kurt Angle. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing WWE, but it's still Kurt Angle. Yeah. No, not as yeah. bad, because these yeah. guys weren't Olympic champions. But anyway, um, yeah, so we, we, we were aware of the, that we were wrestling a lot as well. And especially in the summer when you'd hit the floor and you rip the gloves off. and you I mean, a, a few times the, the police used to come to the park. No way. Well, there's nothing they could do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm fighting with my mate. What, yeah. What's wrong yeah. with you? Go away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we were very aware that we, that this was important as well. We We, we figured out quick that... You seem to grapple a lot here. Yeah. More than you were actually swinging your hands. Yeah. So we'd train a lot boxing. And like I said, we weren't really any good. But every time we trained boxing, it was reasonably productive because we'd spar, we'd hold the pads, we'd go through the movements probably. And when it came to the grappling, it was just pretty much of like polishing a turd. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing at all. Sure. And it was actually my mate Dwayne that said, we need really to get a bit of homework, mate. Mm. You know, like, let's find out what to do. And in the north of England... Where we were from, there's a, there's a strong pedigree of grappling. Yeah, you go over the hills into Lancashire, I mean, you've got the men that taught Kimura the Kimura. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, and on my side, we had a very strong pedigree from judo, very very strong. Okay, as far as I'm I'm, I'm aware, I, I really need to check this. I think the original judo hall in Doncaster, I'm pretty sure it was the third one in the country. Wow, after the Buddha first, and yeah. the other one down here, which I forget what it is. Sure, I'm was not it sure. Percy Sikane had the other one? I'm Sikane, not sure. Sikane. I know, I know Simon Hayes will correct this one. Yeah, yeah I know the Budokai is like the, the oldest the dojo oldest in Europe or something but like that. But then they opened yeah. another one, Dan, in, in London as okay. well. And then I'm pretty sure Doncaster was wow. the next, this wow. little market town yeah. in a shithole in the north. And when you walked into that dojo, you had that similar sort of smell and sort of sensation and flavour that you get when you walk into Budokai. Mm. There's almost like a ghost in the air mm. of this... Ooh, this is nice. Yeah. Strange pictures on wall. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel a bit intimidated. Like, yeah. whoa, 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 I feel a bit fluttery here. Um, so anyway, you're going back to early 90s now. And Judo had died a death. It had been taken over by, I think, Bruce Lee and then the Power Rangers stuff and everybody mm. wanted to be 
taking on six men in a circle and kicking sure. their heads in the air. Yeah. Uh, so we went down one Saturday, and it turned out a guy called Mick Pearson were in the lesson. Only a little fella. He'd been in his mid-40s at the time, about five, six. And we think he m- knew money. He'd have been about maybe 70 kilos. Yeah. But he was a national standard. Yeah. And he had a pension for groundwork, uh-huh. which were lucky for Niwaza. So we had a quick chat with him. Doncaster lads were Doncaster lads. And he, we were just chatting, saying, we do this, we do that. And we need to know a bit about grappling. How, how old were you at this point? 24, 25, yeah. maybe a bit younger. Sure. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask Dwayne. Yeah. He'll know. In fact, he won't because he's a drunk I forgot. <laughs> um, and so Mick picked up on this. Yeah. And he were like, right, yeah. So you want more Niwaza, stand ground to Nick, the standing area. But we'll... And there weren't anybody there. There were me and my mate and Mick and one other kid. No, two other kids, two other lads on a Saturday morning. And that was brilliant. So he yeah. showed us a few standing bits, but then he went into groundwork and he showed us... First time we'd ever worn a gi. And mm. he showed us a turnover, a sweep, and a strangle. Yeah. Awesome. We were like, right, just like you were with me today. That's enough. We're yeah. going to go and work on this. Leave it that to me for six months. We'll have this down. Right? Yeah. Then we got to spar as well. So when we got paired up with each other, it was just a shit storm. <laughs> Youngest, fittest, biggest one won. Yeah. Grunt, 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 fart, get off me. You know, yeah. <laughs> it just a mass of sweat and BO. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then when you got paired up with Mick, he just fucking murdered you. Yeah. Just murdered And we were like, this is ace. Humbling. Oh, murdered you. Yeah. yeah. Humbling and just yeah. like, this is, yeah. Got to learn this, right. So uh, we started to incorporate that a lot into us, what we were doing, we were training, right. So we, we'd, we'd do the same sort of training, but now we had a bit of, bit, something to polish. We weren't polishing a turd anymore. Yeah. And we, pe- we became aware that the more we trained, the more we were actually doing that as opposed to swinging his hands and feet about. Yeah, so we thought we need to actually pick this up. Mm. And we were getting into it as well because it, ah, we, we realised how knackered it made you. I mean, boxing's bad enough. Yeah. But the first time you grapple, it actually shocks you. Oh, it? yeah, when you're putting everything into it. I feel like you're drowning. Yeah. And there's no doesn't matter how fit you are. Oh, when, when, you, when you can't control your output, you're, oh, fu- you're going to be fucked in two thing. minutes. Yeah. And then it sits on your lungs, Dan. Yeah. And you're like, this is actually worrying. Yeah. I better find an happy place here. You know, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a terrible fucking... You feel like you need counselling, don't you? Yeah. You can f- come off that mat and think, fuck you. Oh, no. yeah. I'm not the man I thought I was, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which is why a lot of lads don't come back. Sure. Jiu-Jitsu for everybody. Fuck off. Yeah. It's not. 100%. Um, anyway, yeah, so we got, we got more and more and more and more into this and we started playing more sessions at judo club and I don't know why, but it started to pick up. They ended up being more bodies on the mat and we were aware we needed to do more and more and we'd heard stories that there were another guy in the area that would take it to a different level on the floor. We only heard stories about what he'd done in some champions or Olympian. Bear in mind as well, Dan, you're talking about the original form of Olympic mm. judo, which mm. was very similar to watching Cosson judo. Yeah. If you put the 1980s Olympics on and you put it in grainy black and white, you'd think it were hundreds of years ago. They're yeah. on that mat. When they hit that mat, they just keep going for minutes. Really? And minutes. They don't get stood up. Yeah. And there's no there's no stripping grips standing by the ref. Yeah. There's no stop. That's an illegal. They just kept going. It looked wow. like watching a freestyle Brazilian jiu-jitsu match wow. that was a desafio, like a challenge fight. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we entered into. And so I got told there's these guys, there's one guy in particular hanging around that would just, you think this is good? Whoa. And uh, we just kept training. One day we were on the mat and um, it was actually summer by this time because I remember how stinky and sweaty it was. And there was a bit of a sort of change in the flavour. And it, because he'd come in with his missus and just sat watching. And people were saying, that's him. 
that's Gawthorpe, do you? And with short blonde hair, there, yeah. that's him, that's the guy, that's the guy that strangled that guy to death, that's the blah, 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 blah. Right, and I'm watching, I'm thinking, and I'm getting on with training. Try not to be disrespectful, because it's a bit different than to it is now. Sure. Couldn't bring your bottle of water onto it, Matt. You couldn't tie your belt without facing the wall, it was wow. all correct. Yeah, yeah. Some little rules that were constant throughout the world, you know. You didn't leave them out without asking, you know. Yeah. Anyway. And so when anyway, it finished, it gone. And this is in nineties. Nobody really had a mobile phone, and if they did, it was fucking size of an house brick. And you lads are probably too young to remember that. Yeah, they were about as big as me. Yeah, <laughs> mobile phones, and they cost about eight grand a week, I think, to run. So you actually actually physically find somebody. Sure. I remember being a young one, and we had to go out and find your friends. You know. Yeah. Knocking on doors. And when you found him on a Saturday, you cheered. Hey, they're here. <laughs> Different to now. So I'm looking for this guy. People knew him. What he were doing with judo. Yeah. It was like two ships passing at night. I couldn't ever find him. Where's he live? Don't know. I know he's moved house. And then me and my, another friend of mine, Charlie Martin, he's another big name in Doncaster, trained a long, long time. Um, he started training what we were doing as well because he was a good boxer and tyre boxer, Charlie. Mm. And we were also using the back room of a, of a, a powerlifter's gym okay. in Doncaster called New Bodies. And New Bodies' gym was full of proper lifters be it bodybuilders or powerlifters, who were a proper spit and sawdust gym. Yeah. And at the end of it, all the proper kit, and at the end of it, there was a, a little back room that had bags in with a little sliding door. And going through there, were like walking into Beirut in the 90s. It was like falling off end of fucking world. I'm yeah. not kidding you. Yeah, they yeah. were just mould on the ceilings and a fucking wasp's nest and shitty window that were half cracked and the guy spraying paint on cars below you so all fumes were coming through the window <laughs> Just a carpet on floor and oh, but we used to use that to training. So me and Charlie would go in there and we'd kit on, geese on, and we'd train, spar, blah blah. And one day in an afternoon, so nobody ever went in there, and especially not in an afternoon, you wouldn't see them coming. Right, there's no reason to go in there. Maybe on a week, on a weekend, or maybe on a on a night time, but at two o'clock in the afternoon, no way. For some reason, me and Charlie were in there. We sparring away. We happened to be just fucking around with a jujigatami from the tate, the so the, the straight arm lock from the mount. Yeah. And we were practicing it before we did some sparring. And I noticed that the sliding door had come on and somebody had stood inside and were watching us. It was just in my peripheral. And I turned my head. And like you would, because why are you doing it? I went, you all right? And he just went, being a, being a northern man, I picked up on the accent and he went, aye. And he always, this fella always misses out the definite articles. He says, I'm just watching the arm lock. And I went. Now, why would he mention that? Why would he know what we were doing? And yeah. I looked at him and I thought, I know that accent. I said, is, is it Gawthorpe? And he went, aye. I thought, this is ridiculous, right? We're doing his arm lock, right? Yeah. And he stood in. I've been looking for him. I, would, I just jumped straight up. I said to Charlie, Charlie didn't have a clue who he was. I said, just wait there. So he come and show us. And he went, aye. Which means yes in the yeah, yeah. southern folk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always <laughs> feel like no better when I say yes. Because I won't ever say it, I'd say aye. But people, don't I, know, people just say yes, hi. No, anyway. <laughs> I've watched enough Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm, All right, I'm on yeah. board with that. You're on board. <laughs> right, right, right. Sean Bean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye. Aye. So he shot down and first thing he said was, you're making a fucking meal of this. <laughs> and I thought, we're in here. This is going to be great. So then I started blagging him. Can I come and train with you? Yeah. Aye, he says, I'll take you with me. And he, he lived in spitting distance from my mum's house. Wow. That's where he'd moved. Yeah. So I was... All time on his door. Can I go with... Yeah, come on. Come around tomorrow night. We'll take you here. And he took me to the judo gyms that he used to go to to train and spar. Mm. And it was phenomenal. Because uh, you'll know this you send, Dan. Before you got to be world class as you've got, 
which I think is fantastic, the level you've achieved. I'm not licking your ass here, it's just a fact. Thank you. Um, it, it's great in the beginning, isn't it, that with our game, unlike most other sports, you get to have a kick around with Beckham. Yeah, 100%. People don't get that. Yes. You're like, that's a world champion or an yeah, Olympic yeah. champion, whatever, and you can have a go in. Yeah. He's on your mat, t- talking to you in changing room. Yeah. You don't get that on Sunday League football. Absolutely not. You don't go down at golf club and Tiger Woods is doing around. No. Nope. It doesn't happen. It definitely doesn't let you, t- let you hold his clubs. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's not a sexual euphemism. <laughs> Whatever gets you going there, mate. It's all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so we're up to you. Yeah, used to take us around to these, uh, these particular clubs. And there'd be some right fellas there. And often it was split up between the standing and the ground. My standing were always shite. Mm. I never ever graded in judo. Wow. I often said to people that of all Steve's students, I'm the only one that went to the dark side. Yeah. I went to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> sure. All his others are Olympic judoka. Yeah. But men like Fallon, yeah. he won the worlds in judo. One of his, his well, Gorthorpe went to, ju- to Jiu-Jitsu as well. He did in the end because he got I, older knackered. I, I, yeah, well, I've got some I, funny I stories with, about it. I trained it. with I know him. you did. I've got some yeah, funny yeah, yeah. stories. Do you, do you, I'll tell you what I know about when he went down there because it's funny. Yeah, go on. Because he might not have told you. I'll get to that in a minute. Remember? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't remember that, we're going to kick you out. You sit outside. Touch your toe. Bend over and touch your toe. Yeah, we're up to Yeah, so he used to he used to take me around to these gyms. So often in car, I'm getting stories as well up and down motorways because we're just driving around. They're not. And in the north, the, 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 the motorway system's fast. It's not like being stuck on M25. Sure. So you can get between the big cities quite quick. And he's taking me to these gyms and you, you're bumping into these legendary men who actually develop these positions. Huh. And, and as you'll know, Dan, men like yourself, you, you've not just trained incredibly hard to learn what you know. You're also a genetic specimen, and you have to be to get to that top sure. top tier. So you're getting these. The, I were getting these skills often from the men that had developed them that were genetic freaks. So the Eckersley Hold, which was the development, the Brazilians call it an S mount. Sure, but the Ecky Hold from Neil Eckersley. Yeah, he slid onto the lung, and I, I learned it off him in Pudsey. He was yeah. doing a lesson. So you imagine me for 25 minutes until he just said, "Just fuck off. I've had enough of you." <laughs> Let me talk to someone else. That was so. Each time he took me to a, a plate, a spot, Steve. You try and absorb the information. Oh, jeez! I mean, I'm, I'm worse than I am now. Yeah. It was like I'd had thirty coffees, and I was just that irritating little brother in the corner. <laughs> oh, I swear to God. Um, but Steve used to find it funny. So we'd get often get there, and now we're only interested in the last hour. But when it came to groundwork in judo back then, if you wanted to, you could leave the mat. So mm. the only lads that were still on the mat were them that wanted to be there. Because they liked it. Mm. So they're fucking good at it. Mm. Oh, they'd have gone on. Mm. So you're only left with them that were, ooh. And they always had a game. And they got you with a plan B. Yeah. Plan A, sorry. Every yeah. time. Every time. And you, you, you met some awesome blokes. And you got battered and knocked around. And and that's how it started. I got introduced. Um, and, I mean, I, I remember the first time that Steve actually went full on with me. Yeah. And that was in Pudsey as well. Yeah. And that just, I mean, that just altered perception. Because there was no, there's no flow roll, as they call it. I often said to people that when I first came back from Brazil, I'd not heard the term. Yeah. And somebody said to me, do you want a roll? And I said, no, I'm not hungry. I've had me dinner. <laughs> I had no idea. The co- oh, the term roll? Roll. When, yeah. when did I thought they were offering me a sandwich. When did that come in then? I've no idea. You tell me. It's I, not from Brazil. I have no idea. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Roll, no idea. So Steve, yeah. Must, it must have been a, an American thing then. I don't know. Maybe. Must have been. Maybe. I'd never heard it. Yeah. I heard it when I came, really. 
sure back full time yeah um yeah and i got to they they only ever went full bollock same as the graces do and if you wanted to to slow it down you basically did it in position yeah you played a game so you still used maximum power and maybe just slowed the velocity a bit sure but you never ever played yeah unless you were warming up for two minutes right that's enough of that because you're creating a terrible like memory map Sure. And that's what you'll do. Steve used to always say, it, it's got its place in a warm-up. Yeah. But if you get used to doing that, that's all you'll ever do. You've got to help be ready that your go-to reset is full power, power-up, go. Yeah. He often used to say that if you didn't do that and you got incredibly skilled, somebody less skilled than you will beat you, will, with will beat you up with it. Tenacity. They'd just run you over yeah. and you'd shit yourself like a car crash. Mm. And I've been there. Because the first power, Steve, was just absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. I mean, it just ripped me a new asshole, basically, you know. Yeah. But the, the, the intention he had was just, my God, staring at you the whole time. Well, I was <clears throat> I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, actually, about the intensity of judo and wrestling compared to jiu-jitsu. It's very important. And I think that a lot of it comes from the fact that the sport is just very different. Like, you know, how, how long is a judo match? Five minutes? Uh, wrestling matches three minutes, I think, whereas you have a 10-minute jiu-jitsu match, 15 minutes on Polaris, 20 minutes on Metamoris, no time limit on another That's one. So you know? it, it, it So sort of the sport itself defines the culture and the intensity that people train in. Of course. You can't, and, and, and the fact that you're on the ground, you know, just the, the very function of the sport, on the ground you can rest. You can't rest standing up. That's true. If you rest when you're standing, you're getting put in your head. But what I noticed with you, guy, that's true. I think I wrote that in something that we put out, didn't I? They, they, get, they get thrown in your head in standing. Yeah. Something I noticed with the guys at the top level, like yourself, though, is even when you're resting, you're still grip fighting. Sure. And I think a lot of beginners that come in, in they don't realize, they don't see the three basic phases of grappling, the grip fight, the posture break, then the move. Mm. And because, like you just said, you get thrown hard. Yeah, yeah. If you're in a standing, a standing martial art that grapples, the consequences are devastating. Yes. I mean, it could be the end of your life. Yeah. Be thrown on your head. And it definitely be the end of the fight. Yeah. So the, the first two phases of the grip fight becomes so important. So when you when you grapple and spar with world-class judoka or wrestlers, you can't get anywhere in phase one and phase two. No. You feel like a kid in a playground being swung around by your coattails. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah. And like you said, it, it becomes sat on the ground. It's different. And I see a lot of like a lackadaisical approach where yeah. I think... You don't see that in judo and in mm. wrestling because you wouldn't get away with it. So they're very, very trained straight to one. That, that straight off, the, the training is is the thought process. Is I must be very good at the first couple of phases where the mm. engagement takes place, mm. and you feel it in them, and you see it in the UFC. Yeah. You see these great wrestlers, and they just don't let the other guy get any momentum. Yeah, you know, they, they never get they never get out of the first. Not game. at all. And, and when I say wrestlers, I mean any ground wrestlers. Damian Meyer did it to him. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu man. Just got in front. Yeah. And the other guy couldn't gain momentum. Anybody yeah. that wants to flow roll, yeah, it's good for a warm-up, but I'll tell you what, you'll struggle if that's all you're doing. Well, if, if you're going to roll with that low intensity, you better hope that the person you're up against Does is equal in that tens- Does intensity. Does the same, mate. And he won't. Yeah. If he's good, he won't. You yeah. don't. Yeah. I've watched you. Yeah. It's, your eyes are always on. I've watched you when I've watched you when you sat away from your opponent. Yeah. You're, you're switched on. I've noticed you sat away from them and you're on your ass. You know, when you fight, you're yeah. you switched on. Yeah. You're, you're slowed down, but your brain hasn't changed gear. Yeah. It's going at 100 mile an hour. 
because you're at the level you're at, you know that if that first phase goes wrong, yeah. whoa, God help you. Yeah. It goes wrong, it goes wrong quick, doesn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely. Yeah. It goes wrong quick. Yeah. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're talking about uh, Steve. So for those who don't know uh, who Steve Gawthorpe is, he's like a legendary Jesus judo Christ. character. Yeah. But you mentioned it briefly, like he had a. And, and and I'm hoping that one day I can get him on the podcast as well to chat a little bit because he's a he's a cool guy. But uh, he he killed someone in a judo competition or almost or like. I tell you what, people, the thing is, then he came back to life, didn't he? If you, yeah, just, if you if you people spow him now, lad, young men spow him now. The, yeah. the flow roller generation, yeah, not the young lads like yourself that are mean. Yeah, the flow roller generation spow him at sixty. Oh, and come off that mat. It's brilliant. Looking like yeah. they need to see a doctor, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah. How, how old Steve now? He must be sixty. Yeah, and and I rolled with him uh, a few years ago, and I bet you sped up a quick after the oh, first few seconds. You know what? I already caught you. I didn't even go in soft no, because yeah. the whole time everyone had been telling me about judo Steve. Yeah. Don't fuck with judo no, Steve. No, man, get, if it gets you around, <laughs> don't he's fuck with judo Steve. Down, he'll take you. He's going to beat you yeah, up, yeah. and uh, you you know those hands, those hands that have been. Like fucking ripping golem. and choking like and golem. barring yeah, yeah. and he puts those hands on you like okay you gotta go legit you gotta go legit you're not stripping that yeah. but I also enjoyed watching him roll with some other people who weren't ready for that and just absolutely murdered him absolutely right. smashing him so I say to these young lads right now imagine him 25 years ago. god damn like I don't even want to I tell you what <laughs> I'm very glad I was born where I was born absolutely <laughs> no idea what it was like right? honestly yeah. you've got no I idea I can imagine it it was fucking terrifying. If I can, if I can roll <laughs> half as good as Steve is at sixty years old, I'll be very, very, Ooh, very happy. True. Yeah. Yeah. Very so happy. I see these young lads and they're like, and I'm like, mate, yeah. it's oh, yeah. You've got no idea what it was like. Yeah. If you even go back fifteen year or ten year, this is a, a story from Paul Cole, which you won't mind me telling. My old fella's got an old, uh, an old, what I could call a, a wooden structure built in his backyard. Yeah. For training him. Decent matted area, and over the years, there's been some some serious names on that mat training, and uh, especially on Sundays, people would just turn up. So yeah. there might be six, seven black belts, and wow. some Brazilians, and Olympian, and wow. And so sometimes Steve would turn up to train. So uh, this one particular Sunday, there were there were a few lower belts down there, and Steve had come, and I think he just turned up just to talk some crap with me dad. Yeah, he dad weren't bothered about training. I think he'd been B and Q or something like that. <laughs> And he sat on my dad out row and they're just talking shit in the corner. So Steve would have been, yeah, it must be about 10 years ago, maybe a bit more. And I'd something lit a fire up his ass and he thought, I fancy a bit of a rumble, as okay. he used to call it. <laughs> a rumble. A rumble. Yeah. And he'd, he'd just picked up a gi off. They were gis on pegs, belts on pegs. Sure. And he just picked a gi near his belt and just put a white on. And one of the lads weren't training. This was Paul Cole. <laughs> and Steve went, do you want to go? And uh, Paul, he did, Paul, Paul didn't the, know who he was. No. Listen to this. He's wearing one. a white belt. Yeah. yeah, so Paul had said, yeah. So as they walked into across the map, Paul was only, were only a young lad. Yeah. I think he was a blue belt at the time, only a young lad. And my dad had said, aiming at Steve, don't hurt him. Yeah. Paul had said, <laughs> don't worry, I won't. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I sat on the floor and just watched I can this, just imagine the grin on Steve's face. This unfold, just... <laughs> well, the first thing he said to, the, to Paul, are you ready? Right, and, oh, fucking hell. Right, so, I mean, bless him. So then me and my dad had sat by side of Matt and, and Paul, it finished, it ended, the, the spectacle ended and Paul just brought his way over to sat and he was sat between me and my dad. And I think my dad felt sort of part, I wouldn't say responsible, but the lads are in his house as a young sure, kid, sort yeah. of like, 
And he just slapped him on the thigh. I mean, Paul just had this expression on his face. It were hard to put it into words. It were like... What the fuck? It was defeated, but also also a sense of lack of achievement. Like you've sure. been for a massive shit and just farted <laughs> as well, but also <laughs> shocked. And he was sat next to us, and my dad slapped his thigh, and, and he just went, "You're right, son." And he didn't even his eyes just were fixed forward, and he just went, "I feel like I've been beat up by my granddad." Which <laughs> 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 is what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that uh, that when he first went down to uh, to live in Cornwall, to live in Newquay. He's always loving it down there, Steve. Yeah. And he told me that he walked into the judo club down there to inquire about, you know, duck training. And they basically just ignored him. And he just thought, well, fuck you then. No way. And and cause, and cause he, he says, I thought, because of Ben and that, I know what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is. I understand their form. I'll go to one of their clubs. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. You know, so he went and found Nick Tisco yeah. in, in yeah, Cornwall yeah. and went in there. And, and the funny story is, yeah, I'll try and get it right. Nick will, Nick will get this right, but I, this is the gist i got to be. It's something along the lines of, one of the lads down there, I think it was Elliot, was, did a bit of amateur photography. Yes. And he took them right grainy images of, yeah. and there's one of Steve on the wall. Yeah. And it's because of something, and it's got something written underneath it. It's because of something that happened. So apparently, uh, when he first went down there, obviously he's got his a, a, a just a, a, a plain blue gear on and a white belt. Yeah. And they've done the lesson. And then it's sparring time. And I think it was Rebecca that were telling me the story. The, the black belt down there lady. Uh-huh. And she's apparently were watching what was going on. And, and so one of the young lads have paired up to spar, have shook hands. And they've said to Steve, do you know what we're doing? And Steve just said, I have done a bit. <laughs> and then it took place, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And it made everybody laugh because yeah. they, they became aware who he was. And apparently on Elliot's picture... It's this grainy image of Steve on the wall with showing his scars. I, I know and it just bit. says, Steve Gawthorpe, I'm a legend, Olympic judoka. He's done a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I Brilliant. think is really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve was such an awesome guy when I went down and uh, when I trained with him down there. So He's incredible. Yeah. Arm locking wise. You just... They say, and, and so many people talk about Steve. You know, such an old school character, such a legendary just, character. And they said well, some of the best arm bars in the world. Well, yes, when it comes to the arm lock, you've only really got Neil Adams that. Yeah. could maybe show you a little bit more and that's debatable because I think Steve was just the weight down from Neil Adams yeah so Neil Adams was a king and Steve was the guy helping the king yeah so it was like well I think Steve once said to me it could slow me down considerably but he'd get there in the end yeah that's the way he put their encounters on the ground he says yeah. he, he was the one Neil was yeah. the one but Steve was developing it at the same from what I guess happened sorry from what I the, the account of what they've told me is that they saw Yatskovich execute the role into the arm lock and because it was back in the day and you couldn't record it, yeah. they all saw it, sat together, and all picked up different stuff sure. and developed it slightly differently. Sure. So Adam's has turned it slightly different. Steve's is a bit different again. Eckers mm. is a bit different. But it's all phenomenally brutal, as it must be when you're facing other genetic freaks. Mm. If it's not brutal, it doesn't work. Mm. But then you got the story you're on about in with the Romanian, with the strangle. Yes. Yeah, well, fucking hell, yeah. I, I was digging this out of him for a while. I, I got most of this off him. Uh driving in his in his car to training one night because uh, I was just picking his brain about what happened and he, he, he told me to, yeah. So This is like a famous incident. Oh, Jesus, yeah. God, yeah. It's in books. Yeah. And it's the stills of the actual fight as well. Yeah, I think I've seen it. You know, it. like you're watching yeah. a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Like a flow diagram. So, yeah, he, I think it was the European Championships, 83. Okay. I think it was in Liege in Belgium, however you pronounce it. Hmm. I apologise if I get it wrong. 
Uh, and I think it was semis or quarterfinal. A young Romanian guy, Elisa Ban, it was, yeah. So Steve, right, so this is what he said. He, knocked, he said, I knocked him down, got him down. He said, we're quite chasey standing, so I knocked him down early, basically on him to groundwork, and just hit the arm lock fast. Mm. Wanted to get him done. Rolled him, tapped, that's it. Uh, it was funny because we'd actually pulled up to traffic lights as he were talking to me. Like, and, sorry, we were, yeah, we were pulling up to traffic lights, but it got to that point. And as he was starting to stop and knock it into neutral, he, he I'll never forget it because it was so menacing how he put it, but funny. <laughs> because he said, um, <laughs> he said yeah, but he, he, he was still driving. He said, and he, he told referee and tap, they didn't give in. Yeah. Lousy bastard, he says. He says, and nobody, there were no real recordings. You couldn't play it back. And he tapped. He knew he tapped. Yeah. He says, so they start us off again from middle of Matt, you know, like no happened. And he, he put it into neutral and pulled handbrake on and just looked at me and he just went, we weren't in the best of mood. <laughs> That's what he said to me. I thought, fucking hell. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he says, he, we kicked off again. He says, and I managed to knock him down again pretty quick. But I'd got him, he'd sort of uh, scrambled and got on top. He said, but I had a strangle on. Hmm. Steve weren't right, really famous for strangles. Yeah. He were an arm looker. Yeah. But if you've ever trained me like you've had done, he's yes. like a fucking golem. Yes. And his everything on him, he's like hitting a table. Yeah. Everything on him's an edge. Yeah. Isn't it? He's like he's designed to hurt you. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's such a good way to put he's it. He's just like a big, he's like a bone with a ligament wrapped around it. Yeah. 100%. And his hands are just, they're bigger than your feet. They're massive. It's like he's got an extra thick, hinge. They're oh, thick and they're sinewy yeah, and they're strong and horrible. Just, uh, just a lifetime horrible. Of, 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 of built to be a serial killer. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know? And it, so when he gets out of your neck, he does everything wrong because he just has to squeeze and press. Yeah. And if it's deep enough, your head's just going to pop off. 100%. So he can show you a strangle because I watched that one he was doing with you with yes. the arm. Yeah, and yeah. I watched people re- trying to do it. They can't do it. <laughs> You've got to be in. <laughs> yeah. You know, he puts his arm under the leg and I just squeeze here. And when he did it to and, me, and it, trust your me, head's going to come off. Yeah, but yeah. you try and you're yeah. like, I can't do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think he'd got him in like a variation of a cross strangle mm. or a cross choke, as you'd call it. But basically, bowing his throat. And he'd used his feet to create like a sumagaisha, like a turn of a hook sweep. And he said to me, he said, I flipped him over into Tate, into the hold down, mount. Mm. So in Olympic judo rules, back in the day, if you got the hold down, a 30 second count started. Wow. And if that went through 30 seconds, you got the immediate 10 point win. Yeah. Hip on, done. As if you'd thrown him on his back. But like Steve said, he says, he, he were out as I turned him over. In his words, I could feel him dribbling. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. I think he went, he went a bit limp and yeah, all. Yeah. So I turned him over, he were out. But I, he said, I thought he were like, you know, trying to pull a fast one. Sure. You know, he'd just done it. Yeah. And I thought, bollocks to this. Bollocks to this. So he just kept, he said, I just kept, I took right in and kept shoving. Yeah. That's basically how he said it. Shoving, shoving, shoving. And he were gone. And he said, I had a look up at ref. And you can see that in the stills. He, he said, I looked up at ref like, he's out. I've won. He's but they didn't. So 30 seconds kept going. Fuck. And crowd's going mad because some of them have seen he's gone. He's yeah. out, he's out. And I think somebody ran on a mat. Wow. But the, it had been 30 seconds and Steve got off him, sat cross-legged like you do. And uh, it's, the funny thing is the picture is they're trying to revive this guy. Steve's picking his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit. So, so, so what happened? Like, Well, they ran on, the medical team, and did the standard revive. Nothing. So they had to whisk him off quick. Yeah. And like Steve was saying, the crowd were very, very, very upset. Well, they sit, 
They said that they had to bring him back the next day to prove that he was alive. That's Steve. That's Steve's favourite bit. Yeah, he loves explaining that bit. <laughs> they took him out. They took him into the training room, and they had to get the proper paramedics to start his heart. Fuck. And and you see, the judo books don't mention this because it's very dishonourable. Yeah, for them sure. because they looked like save face. Yeah, but apparently he went twice again in ambulance. Wow. They had to do him again, get him back. Ba boom. But he was all right. And like Steve says, you know, to make sure that brought him back into the stadium next day to prove he weren't dead. Yeah. <laughs> Steve likes to tell you that. <laughs> That's Steve's favourite bit. Yeah, so whenever he used to go, you fancy a spa and he got your neck, you just thought, fuck this. I'm tapping when this comes <laughs> on. Yeah, I tell you what, people have got no idea. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. I know a lad up in um, up in Scarborough, and, uh, Andy, Andy Smith, he... Uh, he runs a jiu-jitsu club up in Scarborough, but he's from, he's from judo as well. And he was telling me how Steve were up there, I don't know if it were a few years ago, and they did a bit of sparring. And one of the lads did okay and hung in there with Steve, a young kid, and he was quite pleased with himself. Yeah. And at the end, Steve looked at him and said, do you know how old I am? He said, you want to be bloody ashamed? He said, even 10 years ago, and he said, I'm a fucking murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. But honestly, don't it give is. a shit. Yeah. There used to be another guy that used to come down and train with. He, ended, he, he got a bit old and his hips were a bit knackered. So he, he went into groundwork and the, the closest schools he could find were Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the area. <clears throat> Dave Bramham, lovely fella. And he said he'd done a lot of judo, yeah. travelled round as a journeyman, been to the big schools and, that, and it, went to the Buddha quite. And he always wanted to have a session and have a, have a Randorius bow. I thought, yeah. always wanted one. But it just never happened. And he said he always, you know, idolised him a bit from the same part of the world, you know, northern man. Uh, big heavy set, Dave. Bit chubby sometimes. Bit nice man, but very sort of, in a way, introverted in some ways. Sure. He said, I always wanted to have a go with Steve. Yeah, he says, so I went down to this session at Buddha Choir, which had been advertised in judo circles. And it was a standing part of the practice. Loads of bodies on the mat, loads against the wall. And it was done in rounds. And as I made my way down the line... He says, I started to realise that if things worked out here, my turn were going to be with Gawthorpe. Couldn't be better. He says, and I realised it were going to be as it approached the end of the round. Yeah. He said, I was a bit nervous, but I thought, you know, we're in the most famous setting of judo yeah. in the UK ever. It's a proper session. It's all respectful. Everybody's following the etiquette. He says, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. So time were called on that one. He says, it was my turn to walk onto the mat. He says, mm. and I felt, you look after me. He says, and Gawthorpe just walked straight up to me and just went... Come on then, you fat cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he says it just not with for six, yeah. <laughs> Bless Brilliant. him. Brilliant. Anyway, let's get <laughs> another one, another one, Steve. Uh, let's get back to you. So so you were training judo. Uh, when did you first get exposed to Brazilian jiu-jitsu? So uh, grappling, ground fighting, not near Waza, you know, not, yeah, not judo. Yeah, I was... <clears throat> I, there was no real internet then, so if you wanted to read about stuff, everybody just went to WH Smith and just stood there all day reading magazines. Sure. You know, he'd even have a Mars bar and that yeah. kind of Coke. Yeah. Just, just put it back where you found it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know while I'm there. And I was flicking through a martial arts illustrator, and at the back, they used to have classifieds. And there were big, real Brazilian jitsu arrived in the UK, and it was the Tasmanian Devil inside the the uh, the, the triangle. That was the original Baja. Gracie Baja logo. In... in yeah, the original one, the Taz, yeah, down in Birmingham. And yeah. I thought, ooh, I would have a sniff of this. I've got to have a sniff. Had you heard of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah. Through the UFC? Well, 
Me and the same guy, yes. Me and the same guy I originally trained with. So I said, yes, and not I. Well, yeah, you're getting there. Uh, we, we, after we'd been training a while, it was quite cool that this happened, actually, because it reinforced some of done. He'd come home from work, and I was laid on settee a bit drunk, and he, he threw a uh, VHS cassette on me. Get that on, he says. Yeah. He says, make you smile. Oh, like, what, what is it? It was UFC one. Yeah. Uh, this is mid-90s. Put yeah. it in, and we watched Doris Gracie batter everybody. And we were like, well, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And we were right, please, because we were like, we knew we were right. We knew that I'd beat that. Mm. We knew that grabbing them, it's better. Mm. You know, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, mm. you can't hit them. They grab you, over you go, you know. And so it made us sort of train more of that. But we never got the chance to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because there weren't any. But we were doing the Duro stuff, you know. So when I saw that advert, I thought, I've got to. And Steve always pushed me anyway, because he always used to say, your was is all right, son, yeah. your groundwork, yeah. but your shit at standing. Yeah. And you need to decide if you're going to have a go or not. Yeah. Have a go or don't, you know. You, you, you're going to get older. Try mm. or don't. Mm. Shit or get out of the toilet, son. You know, make your yeah. mind. Um, so I thought, well, I'll go and have a look at that. So I went down to Birmingham, and it was Mauricio Gomez. Yeah. Which first time he was over? Yes, first uh. time we were over. And I got to spar with him. I, I was, what I used to do is I'd go down, because it was a fair drive, yeah. and I'd go down, and the lad down there was in the old library. The lad down there were cracking all in the place. I think his name was Jason Stretton, something like that. Stretton, Stretton. And he used to let me stay overnight. <clears throat> So I get the morning lesson, the afternoon lesson, sleep on the mat, then get the morning, the afternoon, and then just go home knackered. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was the, the evening session of the first day that I got them. Actually, sparred with me, and uh, yeah, so I got to embrace that. It was it was, to me it was funny because because it was famous now. There were people on the mat that were ace and good lads when I got down there. Some good names, lads that still train. And there were also people that were there because of name. Mm. And they shouldn't have been there. Sure. And some of them were knobheads. There were a couple of rich kids that were. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to write about it now. I'm, I'm doing a bit of a book about it. I'm on about There was one kid who was incredibly condescending. He was just a complete tool. You know, I mean, he, I think he had plenty of money. And I just had a scabby gee. And I often said my white belt looked like a smackhead's turner cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> my, 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 honestly, my rash guard yeah. was a drum tobacco t-shirt that I'd got with some free fags from Benidorm. <laughs> honestly, yeah, yeah, that was my rash guard. And he, I mean, his gear cost more than my car. Yeah. And his hands were immaculately kept. Yeah. And, and we, and I, I, that night, I got paired up with him on the mat. Others were watching, sat around. There were about 10 pairs sparring. And, well, I had a bit of a game. So I just pulled him on, flipped him. He rolled. I went into Yatskovich. Armlock. Mm. Whack. Mm. It took that long. Not that I were ace. It was that he was shit. You know, yeah. done. Squealed off he went. And I'm left kneeling down. And I often said to people, it was amusing because I bet there were over 50 lads in that room. Wow. I bet there were over 50 lads in that room in Birmingham, right? Either sparring or watching, and Mauricio Gomez here. So we had a lot to look at. Yeah. And when I looked up, he was staring fucking straight at me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I. Yeah. And looking back, I think he thought, he knows some stuff, him. Yeah. Now, that's all I knew. <laughs> that was the only thing I knew, and I just pulled it off. <laughs> One trick pony to Perfect. fuck. Yeah, Perfect. you know. And he just went, with his, with his finger... Yeah. He walked to the mat and he went, come and pass my guard. So I went inside his legs and he crossed his legs and went for the arm and I defended it, flipped me over and I got arm locked. And I thought, took as long as that again. But I thought, I'd, I'd experienced that, it felt the same. And he did it again. But this time, he let the arm go. I defended it a bit, actually. But it, it's not did he go knee on belly? 
that you had never feel because <laughs> I, I, I were only really exposed to world class arm locking. Yeah, because that's what Arnie was a man in the north did. Yeah, there were a few strangles, but they were a bit nasty and just brutal. But we were they were, they were really an arm locking culture, turnovers, sweeps to arm locks, and I weren't aware this existed, mm. and it was devastating. I was laughing as it were on. Yeah, you'll probably still remember. I was laughing as he did it. Yeah. Like, this is just. Na- like getting raped. I like being under a small a small car, you know. Well, and, Mauricio's neon belly is one of the, the most legendary ever. things in I've got a story about that. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Years later, when Jude yeah. Samuels did one of his Sani shows yeah. at Birmingham, he asked me to ref. Uh-huh. He never fucking asked me again for good reason. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. And I'm, I'm refing a white belts match. Yeah. And it's all right. I'm sort of guessing. And somebody puts neon belly and I'm like, oh, God, oh, do you get points for this? I don't yeah. know. And it just so happened that at the judges' table, Mauricio were going to sat there, and I thought, okay. I've got it made, I can ask him. <laughs> How many points is it, Mauricio? <laughs> and he just went. <laughs> and they were still there, and I, I, like, I said, How can you not know? And he went, yeah. I said, You've got the most famous neon belly of all time. Yeah. How do you not know? And he went, Ben, he said, In all honesty, he said, I never heard how many points the ref are giving. He says, Because of the screams of the fucking beneath. <laughs> <laughs> not with the Yorkshire accent, of course. But, yeah. yeah. But anyway, he did that, and I was like, Jesus. And so I was sat at the edge of the mat with him that night, and he was basically telling me, there's lots of games, Ben, mm. and lots of movements and directions within jiu-jitsu, within groundwork. You've seen what the... I think, I'm pretty sure, actually, I don't think I'm sure, that because of his pedigree from Holes and the mm. original Gracie family members, they they embraced everything. Yeah. So he'd have been very, very well-versed in that arm lock. Yeah. He'd have known the pedigree, where it came from. Because I know when Neil, Armlo- uh, Neil Adams did his seminar in the late 90s in Southern California, they were well past his prime. Yeah. I know some of the Graces and the Machados went to the seminar, okay. which blew the minds of people in the seminar. Sure. Neil Adams didn't even know where they were. Because yeah. they'd come to see his arm lock. Because yeah. he was the best man in yeah, the world yeah, yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah, So I'm pretty sure Mauricio would have known what that was. So I think he thought... Some judo else? influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Marissa would have thought, what What else does this kid know? And that were it. Yeah. And so he was basically telling me, there's other directions, Ben. I'm, I, look, look, did you feel my knee? Basically saying, you know. And he was sort of saying, I've got friends that are strangle experts. Men that will rip your knees off. Mm. Friends that will get on your back and pull your head off. Mm. You know, you need to realise this. There's so much going on that you, you need to experience. And that's when I thought, I'm going to Brazil. Mm. I want to feel what he's doing with all those other things, with those men that are the best. Yeah, I want to feel that intensity. I don't just want so and so strangle. I want so and so strangle done by so and so. Yeah, on me. Yeah, and so on a plane. Is that is that what it is? That that first Mauricio seminar. That it was a training session. That was the day, and I thought as soon as I get me sorted, I'm going. Wow. I want to feel it because Steve has said basically said Japan too, but it's expensive. Yeah. Brazil, you got that exchange rate. So just a working lad. You got off that plane, you got five of theirs for one of ours. Yeah. One of ours got you a quid and a Mars bar. Yeah. One of theirs got you a, sorry, one of ours got you a, a Mars bar and a can of Coke. Yeah. And one of theirs got you a Mars bar and a can of Coke. Yeah. For one of ours, you got five of theirs. Yeah. So you thought, as soon as you got off the plane, you thought, well, this is all right. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can afford to live for ages here th- if I'm frugal. I think, I, mean? I think when I went to Brazil, it was five to one. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It, it, and then 
you know, it went to three to one or even worse than that after that, yeah. But it was fantastic yeah. at the time. And and they were all still on the mat then. Wait, what, what year? Did you remember what year you went to Brazil? 2000, 2001, wow. 2000, I think. Oh, nice. I'll have to check. Yeah. Either 2000, 2001, I'll have to check. But they were all there. There was only really Gracie Bar because it was in Bar. It's like Gracie uh, Mill Hill. Yeah. It's, it's in Mill Hill. Yeah. It's, you know, Bar was Bar. Yeah. And they were all there, all on the mat. All the champions, all the great names were... So you wanted to see that, that guy's arm lock and strength. Well, he was there. <laughs> and you got filled in by him. And it wasn't so much that they even taught you it. They tried. But you know how some people can't teach. But nah. the best way is just to have them Watch beat them. you up. Yeah. And you feel what they're doing. Yeah. And you pick it up, don't you? Yeah. But imagine being in that mixing melting Insane. pot. Oh, what, man. What, what, was your, what was your first session in uh, Gracie Bar? Well, I went to the camp. Because that was the best way to do it. Okay. I was going to go over. But then I realized there was a camp there. Because Rob Locke who had a, 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 a academy down Coventry way, I think it was, South Birmingham somewhere. He was one of the first guys that had a proper martial arts studio. Yeah. He had Marcia Fetoza over for a seminar. Okay. So I went down with Big Neil Owen, one of my original training partners, and um, Fetoza was there, and I said to him, I want to go to Brazil, what's the best way? And he said, go to the camp first. Mm. Was so that he, in Brazil? In Brazil. In, in Baja? It, it was in, it, yes, down, the next village along. Okay. Car Carlos Gracie had rented a great big house that you could stay in. Wow. And I thought, this is best way. I'm yeah. better. I'm better getting shafted for a few quid first one to make yeah. sure I yeah. don't get literally shafted yeah. and become a fucking statistic yeah. from some Brazilian Ted Bundy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> buried in an hole somewhere. I thought I'll go and get shafted for a few quid. Get yeah. a, get the, put the feelers out for a couple of months. Mm. Then I'll come back and I'll know what's going on. Which was it worked out well because I met some names there that said come and live in my house, like yeah. Gordino. Yeah. Well, come and live with me and my man. Wow. Okay, now yeah. So the first real session. Well, it were cool. What they did is they had a little matted space at the camp in, near the house where they come and do a private lesson with you in the day. Then at night, you tended to go over to the, the main hall in Bath. Okay. So that's where we used to go, <laughs> over there. So on that first night, it was fucking hell. It, there must have been 150 people there. Wow. And there's 30, 40, 50 black belts. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been saying to, to Marcio, do I get to spar with, you know, and he was saying, his English was good even then, don't worry, you'll spar with all of them. Yeah, and he could. I think Marcel saw I were a fucking idiot, yeah. and it, so he straight away paired me up with some good. The, so the first black belt in Brazil I got to spar with was um, Bruno Fernandes, who gave John, uh, George Saint Pierre his black belt. Wow! Now, luckily for me, he was a very. He was, he's a, I think he's an eye doctor. He was a young kid at the time, okay. younger than you. Yeah, and I think he's an eye doctor, and he must have spoke four or five different languages, so he spoke fluently no English way. to me. And he was he was. Exactly the opposite of what I'd ever experienced. I was lucky that he weren't a nutcase because mm. it could have really hurt me because I wanted him like a nutter. Mm. Um, and it were like it were like punching a curtain. <laughs> he just absorbed everything I did. He had beautiful technique, and he just absorbed everything I did until I was flailing and flapping like a pillock, and then just murdered me. Yeah, just tapped me out with all sorts of bits and bobs. And it were brilliant with him smiling at me and I, I were off at moon. And in the course of my stay there, he'd often invite me out to spar and give me a kick in and that. But he was he was he was beautiful his movements. Mm. I think we used, to, we used to call him Malenga. I think I can't remember his nickname. But anyway, yeah, Bruno Fernandez, terrific fighter. But there were lots on the mat uh, that same night. Ralph uh, um, Gracie was over as well because mm. when he used to come back to Brazil, he'd go and train at Bar, and he just fucked around with me and his half guard. Yeah. And I mean, fucked around. There's a picture I've got with him afterwards. He was I was on top. Well, yeah. Yeah, I just looked fucked. Yeah. And Holetta. 
that same night. He yeah. was there. Holetti was funny though, the ex Olympic, uh, ex um, absolute champion. Yes, because he had like crazy jiu-jitsu, was he called yeah. crazy jiu-jitsu? Because he was because stri- he'd turn up. He did really gym. unorthodox. Stuff. Oh, mental stuff! But he was a big fucker. Yeah, and fought like he weighed twenty kilo, flipping around everywhere. But he he was amazing because he'd turn up at the gi at, at, at the at the academy in just his gi pants and flip flops on, carrying his jacket in the summer heat. And just walk upstairs, train, and walk back out like that, like a hobo. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, he's really well educated as well. I think he's an engineer or something. Really? Boletti, yeah. Oh, man. He, he had his hand in his belt all the way through it. And just talking to his mates, he was sparring me. <laughs> and I've got a picture of me after him, and I look like I've been dragged out of a fucking bush. You want to see it? <laughs> like I've been ducked in water, mm. right? Dragged out, dragged through a bush, pissed, and shoved against a wall. He looks like he's been up an hour and had a coffee. I'm not kidding. And he fought one handed yeah. in his guard. But, but then, like Mauricio told us later, he had over, over 600 fights and got his guard passed twice. So don't uh, worry about it. Yeah, yeah. So Insane. That were all right, yeah. So how long did you spend in Brazil? On and off, about five years. Wow. I used to come back and just rip pages out of my passport so I could get a new one and go back. Because <laughs> they didn't check it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Just to go back through the immigration. You know what I mean? so, so, so you basically, what ratio of time are you spending in, in Brazil to the UK? about nine months of the year oh wow so a lot mm. the majority mm. and were you working out there or? oh no 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 you, mm. you could but if you weren't careful you ended up then being in their monetary system and sure. you couldn't make any money and there were no time to train yeah so you gran- were just out there training full yeah. time my granny had given me five grand my father's my, my dad's i speak english not yorkshire my dad's mother <coughs> yeah it's five grand and i thought i'll see how long i can make it last yeah so i, I luckily i'm a yorkshireman so i can be tight <laughs> And I was tight. Yeah. So I would barely ate out at all. Yeah. I was staying in Gordino and Gordo's mum's house with Gordino. So we had one bedroom. I had the other. We shared that bathroom. And his mum had her own ensuite and bedroom. Mm. And she were ace. I mean, she mm. just cut, she was just a, a, a gee cleaning machine. Mm. Kept it all clean and tidy. And I ate there all the time. Bought my food. Cut my own food there. And I was just as tight as fuck. And yeah. I just thought, I wonder how long I can make it. Yeah, just eked it out. You know what I mean? Because I lived in a caravan in England, yeah. a little, on a little caravan site. Because people often used to say, how can you afford to keep going back to Brazil when you live in a caravan? And I used to say, because I live in a fucking caravan. <laughs> you know, I didn't even have a television, you know. Yeah. So, so you, you must have advanced so fast. Unbelievable. In, Ask it, Steve Campbell, he was the same. Yeah. Because Steve Campbell actually stayed there. He come a little bit, he actually went to Brazil before me, but then come back to Manchester, I think, to work a bit, to save. Yeah. And then when I'd been there a bit, he come back out and he stayed all the way through, Steve. Really? I think he did about six years, Steve. Straight. Yeah. Wow. So you can't help but, what an oven to be in. You yeah, couldn't help but improve. You either improved or died. And you know? you know what? There's probably, there is nowhere like that in the world and there never no, will be. Nowhere left. They never will gone. be again because they, it was it was just so early. It was almost the big bang before it exploded. You know, you were right there. That's a the good way to put it. it. Done. It, it just they all became Dick Whittington. They ran off to London to see the fortune. Yeah. They've all gone now. Yeah, but they were all there. Crazy o- on strange holidays when it was I don't know some weird holidays. You'd be amazed who were on that map. Yeah, you're thinking oh, it's, it's Higa Machado. Yeah, that's Enzo. That's Half. That's Hillian. I'm serious. All yeah. on the same map to come down for for what reason? I don't know, but they're there. That's just the famous Gracies. Never mind the younger sons of the, and then the world champions that weren't Gracies. Yeah. Like, and they were ten of them. So you got you got the lineups where you were guard passing, hundred men against the wall, and they're on their backs. 
took you 25 minutes to get a goal, three seconds to lose, another 25 minutes in fucking queue. You know what I mean? Oh. All the people complaining in my classes that they got to wait too long in the King of the Hill. It <laughs> should have been there. Well, sometimes minutes. you embraced it and thought, that fuck, I can have a minute. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> yeah. when you got paired up to spar with these men, oh, fucking hell. Oh. Because the worst beating that. But sometimes I'll say, who's worst, who's, who's best you've ever seen? Because yeah. I'm no name. I, I don't I don't even like the idea that people think, oh, well, I'm no good. I was just amongst it, that's all. Yeah. No, I'm just a journeyman. I was just a, a national level kid. Um, oh, dear Gracie. Nobody like him. I yeah. don't think there'll be anybody like him for a long time. Yeah. It's like fucking eugenics. They've got all that ability and they've created this specimen that they always wanted all along. They were as big as that bottle of water, Gracie's, weren't yeah. they? But they wanted bigger... I mean, Carlos's daughter was always funny, Carolyn, because if you ever sort of jokingly chatted you up, she'd actually say, you're too small for me. Yeah. Because she'd be, you want a bigger man, you've got to get bigger, you know. Yeah. But when it comes to being battered after death, Gordo. Really? Most dangerous man I've ever fucking met. No life. way. Yeah, by far. The I remember that, because after I'd moved into his mum's house, I, I'd sort of seen him on the mat at nights and in the mornings. But once I moved into his mum's house, the first time I actually spoke to him was in the gym, not in his mum's house, because mm. he didn't live there. He had his wife and his family, but he used to go there all the time, mm. bring his kids to the nana's, to the granny's house, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, but I actually first spoke to him properly in the gym, and um, he invited me to... I should have picked up on the word, because the word for baptism is very, very similar, and it's a Latin word, yeah. and he just said that to me, baptism, in their language. And he... Fucking Jesus. It was during the day, actually. Oh, fucking hell. Oh. It, after it, it, it were like it were like with Steve, but more relentless. You wow. know, just not, just basically, you can imagine, I, I, the way I think of it now, I, he was one of the oldest sons, and I'm in his mum's house, he wants to see who this kid is. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Because he's a good five years older than me, I think, Gordo. And he's bigger than he looks. Yeah. Well. He's bigger than he's he looks. He's a big, strong dude. Oh, yeah. fucking hell. And, and bear in mind that he's, he's a peer of the Graces. A peer. I yeah. mean, he went to school with them. He's Half's best friend sleepovers when they were kids mm. and like i say to people there's only so many old gracie family photos isn't there yeah and grainy ones where they're all arms folded and it's the graces and sometimes there's a non-gracie in it nine times out of ten it's him mm. imagine what it takes to get in that photo mm. it's like being the unwanted foster child yeah. you've got to be better than your the actual yeah, yeah. birth son haven't you yeah so he's their peer and that's wow. how they see it and I remember it because the thing that stays in my mind the most was what happened after because I was worse than Paul Cole after after Gothop. It was just fucking Jesus. Mm. And I come across the mat and sat on the mat, happened to be a guy called Tonico. There was two of them. There was Tonico and Sharapino. And for what I can gather, my Portuguese was shit. But Steve, Steve Campbell's is pretty good and he was telling me. He says, I think... Tonico and Sharapina was like um, Zig and Zag, um, uh, Speedy Gonzalez, and it's two characters off a cartoon sure, or something for yeah, kids. Yeah. Now, Tonico um, luckily spoke very good English. He actually is at Enzo's a lot now. He teaches a lot at Enzo's Academy. As I went and sat on them, Tonico just said to me, that's the worst it'll ever get, which needed to be said, because I tell you what, I was borderline that yeah. day. I was borderline, Dan. Wow. I'm, not, I'm not scared to, I was borderline like, no. Fuck this shit. Yeah. And he just tapped me and he went, that's the worst it'll ever get. And I, like, I looked at him and he was like, I'm telling you. So I thought, right, that's good. Fucking good. Because wow. I can't take much more. Yeah, because yeah. it was absolutely awful. Like strangled to the point where you're going to go, release it, 
and then crush your throat, can't breathe, release it, then squeeze your maw, just on. Just pure nastiness. Lovely man. Gordo, I mean a lovely man. Dead straight, a man's man. When he speaks, you listen. Don't fucking say much. But without a doubt, the most dangerous person I've ever fucking met. Wow. Do you know them people that that if you did out to the family, they'd fucking kill you? Yeah. And they're not saying it because they hadn't said it, but they would. Yeah. He's one of them. He'd fucking kill you. <laughs> Just like Alf would. Yeah. Got that look in their eyes and you're like, if he says it's Tuesday, it's fucking Tuesday. Mm. You know? But anyway, yeah, that was the worst beating ever. That's scary shit. Oh, because you, know, you know Gordo's are kind of credited with almost not not inventing but revolutionising the half guard position. Mm. So you're saying you know when we spoke earlier, and I know that you're kind of known for your half guard top and bottom position. Is that something that you picked off from picked up from working so much with Gordo? Only with him, like that, yeah. And to be honest, I w- I, w- I wouldn't. I mean, I'm no specialist at all. It's just that I spent that. So every morning, I go and train with him. Because yeah. he was on, there was <clears throat> he had a particular lesson at eight o'clock in the morning, and it was full of the same men, and a lot of them were federal judges. Okay, so you had about thirty men that had known each other forty years, mm. and they'd been there or somewhere at that time with each other for that length of time. Yeah, so they were all high-ranking black belts that had just repeated this strategy with each other over, and what a session that was. It was something not worth missing because the sort of old men that waited for a mistake and then they never, ever, ever let you get that back, that yeah. space, for animal training. So every morning, I'd obviously spar with him. I'd get called out, come on. And we're always in half guard, either underneath or on top. It happened. So you picked up the, the mechanics of the dynamics of the balance of the... I won't say I'm an expert in it, but often what I see is I seem to know more than a lot, a lot of lads are doing because I was with him. Jesus Christ, standing shitty long mm. enough, Dan, it gets mm. on your shoe, doesn't it? Yeah. So whether I wanted to learn half guard or not, I did. And, you know, they say that Gordo invented the, or, or revolutionized the half guard as an adaptation for a knee injury he had. Is that, mm. is that true? Yeah, he, he, he blew it out actually playing football on beach. Really? I don't know if, whether people know that. No. 600 that. odd fights and he fucked his knee playing football. No way. Yeah. And apparently he used to pop out all the time because he was scared of the surgery originally. And so he had to play half guard. He had to. Gordino said that um, it was interesting at the start because nobody did it because it was always a standard strategy that if you were going to play from underneath, you'd find a good guard pull and play from closed. Closed, closed, always Then open and close it if you could again. Yeah. Yeah. Open only to sweep or close again. And the notion of pulling half was just mental. Yeah. And especially when Gordo only sometimes caught the foot, never yeah. mind above the knee. He said, Quarter, ori- quarter we call it now. Yeah. Originally, he said people were just like going hysterical in stands. Look at this idiot. But like Gordino says, we in a few years, it, well, it, it went from what's this idiot doing to mainstream. I hate playing with Gordo and his mm. fucking stupid half guard. Mm. Yeah. So mm. it didn't take long. He developed this idea and this, which is phenomenal because. I think we're blessed, even though you're a lot younger than me, I think we're blessed, Dan, that in our time in the sport, regardless of the ability difference between you and me, we've we've seen two developments of things which are basically new weapons, Yeah. which I don't think is going to happen for a long time. Yeah. I'll get some with this, you'll know where I'm coming from. Often you see something new, and it's just another bullet to put in an existing gun. Mm. This is the way I explain it. Mm. So somebody says, look at this, and you think, it's just another bullet that fits the gun. Mm. 
Gordo's half-guard procedures, and also the development from that to Marcelo Garcia's extending X-guard, mm. were two new guns. Mm. Stuff that nobody's seen before. Avenues that were dormant. It was a new weapon. Yeah. And we've seen two in like 30 years. Yeah. When realistically, you should see probably one a lifetime. Yeah. So we were spoiled. And I don't know where the next one's coming from. Because yeah. sometimes lads say, look at it, it, this, what this lad's doing. And I get excited. And I'll, I'll watch a video somebody sent me. And I think, ah, but it's brilliant, but it's just another bullet for a gun. Sure, yeah. It's come from that gun again. There's going to be at some point where, you know, there's not going to be anything no, new that we don't new, even... Nothing new, I know. I know. It's yeah. quite sad, really. Yeah. But, but when the Berry Bowler come out, I didn't know what it was. And somebody showed me, and I'm like... Yeah, but you're using Mr. De La Hiva's outer hooky, you're just sure. rotating off to yeah, the shoulder. Yeah. So if that's shut down, you're fucked. Yeah. yeah, it's the same idea. Which is brilliant, it's brilliant, but I, I thought, am I going to see something? I mean, you take Garcia's extension of, of Gordo's number three principle, where you split the guy from half guard, which is what he did with his feet. What, so you can make a guy bend over in open guard without touching his upper body? Yeah. Wow. That changed everything. That was yeah. the concept, wasn't yeah. it? He has to bend over, and I'm not touching his upper body. Yeah. Amazing. Like, wow, what, wow, 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 you know? Mm. And I'm waiting for the next one because even as I get older, it excites me to see mm. it. I hope somebody like you does it. <laughs> so I can say this is brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, so did you get your black belt in those five years that you were in Brazil? No, no. We went through the belts. When I went over there, I was already a blue belt. It took a while. I got promoted to... Who, who were you a blue belt under? Well, yes. So when back, back in the day, Mauricio went back to Brazil. There was no more Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. from what I knew. I think yeah. they carried it on a little bit in Birmingham. I think the lads carried on the, 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 the school. The Blue Belts ran it for a bit. Okay. It was a long way from my home. Uh, and there was a lad up in the north of England called Andy Williams, up in Huddersfield, which isn't far from me, who would set up as well. And I went over to see him. Yeah. And he went, get involved, yeah. straight away. And he was, he was involved with a guy down in London who was there called Chen Marias. He got slated a lot, and I don't know why, because he, he really tried to get stuff moving. Yeah. I don't know why. I liked him, me. I liked him. Um, he was he was almost uh, transparent. There was mm. no sort of sly movements behind him. He wanted to make a few quid. He wanted tournaments on and yeah. come and fight. So what Andy did is he had, like, uh, Anaconda Huddersfield. So I used to go and, and, and train with him, blah, blah, blah. What was the question again? What it, oh, the belts, yeah. So I went down and fought in a tournament, a couple of tournaments down there. And, uh, and Chen said, well, if you want to be with this, you, you can have your blue belt because you fought well. I think I got second place in one of the tournaments and I'd been put in the wrong category and all sorts. So Chen just gave it to you? Down at a seminar by a guy called Edmilson Alves, which was, I think he was the Brazilian champion. Okay. A black fella from Sao Paulo. Yeah. Mm. Um, so he just gave it to you at a tournament? No, at the seminar. Okay, sorry. So yeah. You can be a blue belt. And if you want, you can do a bit with Anaconda. So we, we made the Anaconda name in Doncaster. And after a while... It's like an affiliation. Yeah. Okay. And after a while, within a year, I think, Chen disappeared to Spain. I think he went to Barcelona. As far as I, know. I think he's still there. So we were like, we'll just carry on what we're doing. But then Mauricio will come back. Yeah. And after a while, I'd bumped into, into Marcio Fertosa, and I wanted to go up to Brazil. I just happened to walk into Man United again, Racing Baja. Yeah. Some training there. I got my purple belt of Carlos. Um, then the brown belt as well. Trained a little bit more, and I got my black belt when I was actually in the UK through Carlos from Legato. Really? Uh, yeah, he was doing a session. I was on the mat, and, and Legato said, and Carlinho says, You need to wear this. Wow. And I'm like, All right. 
I wasn't really that impressed, to be honest. It, you know, I remember, um, I think Mauricio, I've spoken to so many people on the podcast, I, do, I, I get hazy with who's who, but I think it was Mauricio who was just like, here's your belt. Yeah, the next fight where this Just like, hit, hit, like hit, or, or like, come in with a belt. Yeah, next Come in with a different kind of belt. Yeah, it wasn't much. I think Legato had one of his old ones. He wants you to wear this now, just wrapped it around my waist in front of people. And that were it. No grading. Right, now. No. No yeah, whippings. No, none of that shit. No certificates. I never saw any of that ever. No, no. I only ever saw grades on belts for black belts. You know the degrees. Yeah, well, even in the UK, we 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 had white belt when I started training. You only had the degrees on the white belts, and then we brought it in on everything on the other else. Ones, yeah, 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 that's true. What do you think of it? I think it's a good idea yeah. because there's only so many belts that it gives the guys something else to. Plus, you see the difference between the levels. So you might have just got your blue belt, then you train First another blue belt, and you years, and you yeah. think, ah, oh, no. Yeah. But because he's got four tabs on the knackered, you think he's been at this a lot longer than me, and he knows more, and it's fine. Mm. It just calms your head down a little yeah. bit. I think so, no, yeah. 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 And at white belt, it's very important, isn't it? Because the lad might have four stripes, and he might have been training. Four years on yeah, and off. Yeah. This new kid comes in and thinks, oh, this is definitely not for me. He's just murdered me. Yeah. But he knows now. Oh, no, he's definitely more advanced than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you got your black belt. And do you do you go back to Brazil at all? Or after you got your black belt? I, I, went, back, for I went back, I think, twice in 2008, I think. I went back twice. I haven't been back since. I, I keep meaning to go back again. And keep, did you compete out there when you were training out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a few times. We had quite a lot of tournaments on. So it was really easy to register as well because the FJJ Rio, which I've got my documents from, yeah, that was in the centre of Rio. That was Hobson Graces, which is Henzo's and Half's dad. That's the red belt that runs the original federation. Because you were saying, like you said earlier, you were training pre-IBJJF. Well, uh, not in Brazil, but IBJJF turned up in like '94 yeah. the CBJJ. Oh, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. So the FJJ Rio was the only federation. That was the original, the badge that Elio stood in front of. And there was what, so that was, I think it was Goranamar or something, but there's also one in Rio and it's the same badge. And that's his younger brother, which is Hobson, the red mm. belt. So you could register there and fight in all the state championships. And they had him every other weekend. So you could fight all the time. Wow. And he didn't, because you were a gringo, he'd just like, yeah, just let him fight, give him the card. He didn't give a shit. Um, Did you still have to bring a kilo of rice? Yeah, some yeah. of them. But some of the ones that you, the yacht clubs you didn't, some of yeah. the fancy ones, but there was loads of fights on. I didn't fight a lot. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe once every two months. You know, you go, some of the lads were there every weekend. Wow. They'd just keep going, keep going, fight, 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 fight. But the, it was easy to register with the, the CBJJ stuff as well because the federation, as they called it, was just Carlos's office next door to Jim. Mm. So you just went in there and signed your stuff and over you went, you know. Mm. So the competition-wise, it was a piece of piss because they were fighting all the time. They were always tournaments, always, always, always. So yeah. lads that wanted to fight, there were no issues at all. Like yeah. it is now in the UK. You can just get one every weekend if you yeah. want. Yeah. You should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when? Mid-90s, you say? I went to see Mauricio. Would it be 98, 99? She's talking about tw 20 years. 99, maybe. Yeah. 1999, 1998. Yeah. I'm not sure when he came in London. Sounds about Birmingham. right. Yeah. I think it's right. I think 98, 99. She's talking tw 20 years. Yeah, that'd be right. So well, I, remember, I remember Roger Grace coming in. Yeah. In the blue belt. Yeah. Skinny as fuck. Spotty. <laughs> as a young kid. I think about 16 or 17 think, or something. Do you think that guy's going to be world champion one day? That guy's going to be the greatest ever? I weren't sure, but I knew there were a chance. He, he kicked the shit out of me, and I went hard at him because I was a fully grown man, so I was a lot stronger than he was. Yeah, you know, but he just beat the shit out of yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, 
What do you think, in from your perspective, do you think has changed? What have been the main cultural differences or, you know, even the differences in ju- the rules of jiu-jitsu itself? What have been the big changes for you, for someone who's seen from the well, mid They've made it for the masses now, haven't they? That's what they've done. They, they want more people involved, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's good because more people do it because there's more exposure. The bad thing is this idea that everybody should be doing it. Yeah. I think it's fucking dangerous. I mean, so many studies show that if you're doing exercise which you don't enjoy and is stressful, that's very harmful for your body, diabetes, mm. heart disease. So some people, I think, feel like they should be enjoying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and they really need to back it in because it's fucking the head up. And really? the body. I see this a lot and I think, this is just not for you. Really? Yeah, I see this a lot. Yeah, and it, Jiu-Jitsu for everybody. No, Jiu-Jitsu for weirdos. <laughs> it is, it's for fucking weirdos. <laughs> I've never been in a, in, a, in a gym where I've not looked around and thought, what a set of fucking replicas. <laughs> Women included. You're like, look at us. Yeah. What a shower of shit. <laughs> nice people, but oddballs. Yeah. All of us. What do you think? All just look different, weird. Uh, so there's that. Rule-wise, yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I like that the, the, the old style's coming back, which is the... He taps you, you tap him or nobody wins. Mm. I don't care you mounted him for Sub fucking only, 10 minutes. Yeah. You've got to tap him out. I don't give a fuck. I think it fucks it up, Dan. I, mm. I, I get I get tired of seeing people, you know, two points. Yeah, but you're going to have that frying pan into fire. What, you tripped him up to go between his legs and get your head pulled off. You're mm. better where you were. Yeah. You know, I don't. When you fight, I can see you just want to get him. Yeah. Care what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I like that that's coming back. Yeah. Winner takes all. You know, murder me, but if you defend long enough, draw. Yeah. Draw. Yeah, yeah. that's the way it is. You like that? If, if there's no if there's no winner, it's just a draw. It's a draw. I mean, yeah. even back, is that how it used to be in Brazil? Well, I I, I think so. What, what, when I first saw the newer rules, when I was over there, it, it was you know a lot of the IBJJF rules, but people were, were it were a lot more sort of progressive. People were trying to progress position, and I, I think that's why a not, lot of people not winning an advantage. Well, that happened, but it was more, much more uh, by by progress than design. So, for example, I think that's why people really enjoy watching the Masters divisions now. Because you see that sort of, they're trying to gain position. Yeah. Turn him over to, to pass, to, and it's nice to watch. And you see them trying to dominate. I'm not saying that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, the, the, the fighters now are better than ever. Yeah. But you're also getting a lot of manipulation. Of sure. People are getting really cute with these rules. And it, it becomes a little bit of a load of bollocks, to be honest. Yeah which I find irritating to watch. Yeah. You know, oh, well, he's he's twisted my knee, so that means that... Yeah, but you're going to fight him in half an hour, Nogi, and he can do what he wants with your fucking knees. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He slammed me from guard. Good. <laughs> you should have opened it, you fucking idiot. Well, there's a few yeah. competitions that allow the slam. I'd allow it. it stop people slamming. Yeah. I'll argue this in court with anybody that wants to debate it with me. Yeah. To stop slams taking place from the guard and from triangles, allow them. Because it forces people to react to him straight away. Yeah, it'll only people will see it in a video happen once, and people will teach that as soon as a guy stands up, open your legs, mm. or you're going to have to go to hospital. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. Yeah, I saw it start to take place with the sumagashi off the corner, the the hooks sweep to the corner, where if you grab the belt and the head goes to the outside, mm. you can't spike him into the ground. Yeah, why not? It's his oh, fucking yeah. fault. Yeah, why are you being penalised? He should be taught not to do it. Yeah, that's get, it's yeah. getting a bit crazy with the, like. There's no guard jumps for white belts anymore. That's good. You shouldn't yeah. jump guard. You should pull guard. Okay, pulling guard's fine because it should be a failed sacrifice, shouldn't it? You shouldn't jump to guard. He'll slam you on your head. Yeah. What goes yeah. that in a chip shop? Yeah. 
It's mental. Yeah. That's what I think. All these, the older guys that I fought, you could have fought in any fucking format with anybody. It could have been Sambo, Judo, with a kimono, without a kimono, submission wrestling, valet tudo, car park, uh, football pitch, chip Mm. shop. They'd have done well with their game in all of it. They'd have played their A game, their plan, plan A, against any format, Mm. any style. And some of it now, they're brilliant at their format. And they don't scare me in the slightest. Does that make sense? Yeah. If that were in chip shop in Mill Hill, effing and blinding on a Saturday night, I'd suck his fucking eyeball out. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Why we're inverted? I shove my thumb, stir up his ass, and stamp on his head. Or my mate, I just kick him in the head. Yeah, you know. Where some of these older guys, I wouldn't want to fight. I was Gracie in a fight. Yeah, because he did stuff that. Yeah, he won't did be you ever train with boys? No, yeah. but I'm, I'm sort of giving like an example. I won't want to fight uh, uh, Mauricio yeah. even now. Yeah, because you're like everything he did would oh, have worked in any format. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It worked any format. Yeah. It works. None of that, you know, everything they did was designed to work for fucking everything. Mm. And I think that's where it's dangerous. Because mm. if we don't watch it, there's a bloke up north that people don't know, and you need to have a chat with him. Go on. He's called Darren Morris. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I have him on my list. Yeah. And he's fucking funny. Yeah. Because he made a statement. He, he, he made just a got statement. his bad bill this year, I think, or last year. Well, we had to sort it out. Yeah. We had to sort this out. Because did you give it to him? No, 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 because it had to come from somebody above. Yeah. Because he's been around. Yeah. He's not Olympian level, but he's top grade he's national level. He's a wrestler, level. a catch wrestler. And judo. Yeah. But he's top grade national level. Yeah. I'm not giving him it. Yeah. It's like me giving it to Steve. Yeah. Well, hold on. Yeah. He needs to come from a peer or above. Yeah. So Mauricio did it. Okay. As it should have been. Okay. Yeah. But like, Darren cracked me up in there. I was sat in the, uh, Chris Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Runs yeah. It. Lovely fella. Yeah. In it for right yeah. reasons. You can't beat dealing with lads. They've already got a few quid in business because yeah. they do this for the right reasons. Sure. You can't buy them. Yeah. They're, they're proper blokes. And he arranged a meeting for me to sit down with Darren because we'd never met. Darren's a bit older than me, so he's similar sort of ethics and, and sort of brain pathways of how it should be, but been around longer. So knows more. He's above me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he knows more. But he cracked me up because I spat all my coffee out and sat in a, <laughs> sat in a coffee house in, in Burnley, this one, in Lancashire. I don't like going to Lancashire. That, that'll, upset, that'll, that'll upset John Stokes if he listens to this. When Mauricio put in his uh, in his little legacy programme, Ben's joining us and he's going to be king of the north. Yeah. The Lancashire lads are out, not being fucking ruled by you. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, what did I tell you? Yeah, yeah Chris Thompson, you've got to sit down with Darren. The first thing Darren said, he says, I'm in a worse predicament than you with the old, the old Ben. He says, because me and you, he says, this is how he put it. And it yeah. cracked me up. He says, he says, well, our ex-boyfriends with big dick. <laughs> Nobody wants to bring us up. <laughs> I cracked me up. That analogy. Well, like you and me, well, like ex-boyfriend with big dick. <laughs> I thought, that's brilliant. Yeah, it cracked me up. And he says, you know, we just want to be forgotten. Pretend, you know, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Because yeah. we were there and he was there before me. And mm. that's not what happened. I was fucking stood there. Mm. Paul Cahoon and all. You mm. want to talk to him, but I think mm. he's on running Saudi Arabia or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jason Katana about Paul Cahoon or Dan yeah. Morris. Fuck, you know. How he's not dead or locked up, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So what were we on about there? What, what, what were you I asking? cannot remember. Yeah. So we're at Darren Morris. You need to have a chat with him about okay. the original, about what happened. And yeah, he's an interesting figure to talk to. Ah, yeah. Because we were talking about how the reason we liked Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is this. 
originally. We'd, we'd studied grappling. That's what we were studying. And it's all the same. Yeah. And I often said, Dan, that if you put a, if you put a blindfold on and sparred with Gawthorpe, then Neil Adams, then Carlos Gracie, then Roger Gracie, and then some other world champion, and then Gordo, and took it off and said, which were which? You'd say, I fucking no clue. Yeah. It felt the same. Yeah. It was because there's only so many ways to move. Yeah. Like when they showed Steve a knee bar. Yeah. And said, Have you got that? He went, Yeah, it's a Jujiki Tami, but inverted because it's on his leg. Yeah. You can't, sh- I know what it is, son. You yeah, know, there's yeah, only so many yeah. ways to move. Like they always said, pyramids, same in Egypt as they are in Mexico. Sure. They weren't the same blood queen bloke that did it. They didn't no. fly him over. Yeah, yeah. And so we're on about the The reason we loved Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was quite simple, really. It was because it was like what Judah were originally meant to be. Mm. Fuck Grappling. points. Mm. Fuck standing them up. Just, it was like sparring in judo originally. Off you go. Get on with it. It was mm. like a sparring round that never ended. Oh, get on with it. We loved it. No fucking amount. And if anybody were lying and full of shit, you went to the gym and went, come on, see what you've got. Yeah. Which I think I, I, I'm forever grateful to Graces for being nutters. Yeah. Because it always... They were. Had, yeah. Not they were. Fucking nutters. The... Some of them nice men, but fucking head cases. And it, it, I mean, it's a strange thing. They were, they were. Yeah. You can see in their eyes. Yeah. I mean, don't you get? <laughs> hey, don't ever get. Com- don't ever get confused. No, Carlos Gracie might be one of the richest men on fucking planet now, or whatever. Yeah. But I tell you, we were hard as fuck. Yeah. Oh, he'd beat you to fucking death. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, he used to beat the likes of his brothers and Mauricio when they used to spar. You yeah. know how hard they were. Well, there's so, so many. There's, there's so many good street fight stories with the old school. Graces, oh God, right? yeah. They didn't fuck around. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for them to, to making it what it is because. Yeah. In all this honour, which we need, you've got to have the honour, mm. we needed a set of lunatics to prove what it was. Yeah. It's ironic, really, yeah. that you had to have really well, you've got to be a really well-behaved dog, but it took a fucking mental street dog that was shagging everybody's <laughs> leg and biting every cunt to show everybody yeah. what we were about, yeah. which is what they did, you know. And we <laughs> loved it because it was just right, get on with it. It was just raw, because, orig- I mean, if you think about it, jiu-jitsu was about stabbing people and slashing people and killing people on battlefield with swords, wasn't it? That sure. was jiu-jitsu. And all mod- and modern jiu-jitsu was judo. Yeah. Modern jiu-jitsu was judo. All the old jiu-jitsu schools maintained the the battlefield stuff. You stab him, you put your thumb in his eye. The modern sport form of jiu-jitsu for just grappling was judo. It was judo, ryu, jiu-jitsu, kosen, some or other. I can't yeah. remember the full names. Ask, ask some of the other lads, they'll know. And and uh, the Brazilian form of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is basically Brazilians' adaptation of judo. Sure. They just didn't call it judo. Fuck knows why. Should be Brazil. Well, I, I I believe... Would he have got stabbed by calling it that? Some I, I, I believe that um, it was... I, I think it might have even been someone as far back as uh, Simon Hayes talking about this, which was, I, I believe that uh, Maeda wasn't allowed to be fighting these matches. So he couldn't call it judo. So he called it jiu-jitsu. Exactly. And that's I, th- what, I think that's what I've heard, yeah. which makes sense. Yeah. You call it judo. You, but it, co- you but, come home, they're going to harry-carry, whatever they call it. You're yeah. going to get a flip throw. It, yeah. it should be Brazilian judo. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the adaptation of the Brazilians is that because they weren't influenced by the Olympic rule set, there was no finish because you threw in flat. Mm. There was no finish because of a hold down. It was, yeah. well, you, we just keep going. Mm. So they noticed that groundwork was more important because you got the submission. So hence they develop more groundwork than standing. That seems to be what happened. Yeah, it just seems to be standard evolution. But that's why we loved it because of how raw it was. It was like get on with it. And when it started, we loved that, and it, it almost made a mockery of the what we'd call the traditional jiu-jitsu schools, 
which were just fat men in church halls yeah. saying, grab me wrist, no, not that wrist, the other wrist. Yeah. <laughs> but if we're not careful, it's going to become what we hated. Sure. Some of these schools have gone all full circle. Yeah. Darren pointed this out strongly. It's becoming what we hated. J- judo? No. jiu-jitsu? Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah. is becoming those traditional jiu-jitsu schools that we took the piss out of. Look at these bullshit. They barely spar. Mm. They're all fatties. They're mm. not even in good shape. It's mm. bullshit. Some of these schools are becoming this. Mm. That's what they're becoming. They're becoming yeah. what we what we preached against. We're becoming what we didn't want. You've got to be careful of this. You've got to be careful of it. Yeah. Because at the how, beginning, we're fucking raw. How do you stop that? No idea. Mm. It's up to you or you even. Get on yeah. with it. <laughs> well, back in the day, you used, to, you used to go in and batter them. Yeah. But now, they say I'm offended. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> uh, we, we still have that. I think uh, the nice thing about jiu-jitsu, and it, it gets harder... It's like uh, it's like trying to hold on to a weight that's you know something that's growing. It's getting heavier. You're holding on to it, and then as it gets bigger and heavier, it's slipping out your fingers, and eventually you're going to drop it, and it's going to be out of your control. That's a good analogy. But um, hey, don't get me wrong. Because of that's happening, and it's getting heavier and denser, and more people, it means that there's more great fighters coming through. It is, and, and is it great. is good, and, and there's more money in the sport, and kind which of is brilliant. There's one one of the things that uh, I like to talk about, which is like the jujitsu economy. <clears throat> Like the more people doing jujitsu, the more people are buying jujitsu clothes, jujitsu rash guards, it's good for everybody. Jujitsu uh, training stuff, jujitsu supplements, jujitsu magazines. You know, and and the more people that are buying jujitsu based products, the more money those products are able to use for advertising, so that you can sponsor tournaments. It's and good for think, everybody. It knocks on for all of it, doesn't it? I yeah. mean, it, it's effectively when you know the, the sea level goes up, all the ships go up. Yeah, but then at the same time, you don't want it so big that someone that nobody ever heard of sneaks through the cracks can put a black belt on and you know we're still at a point now in the uk where it'll never change in the uk because it's such a small island you'll never get away with it that's very possible because because unlike these other bigger countries everyone someone will know someone you'll bump into women asda yeah you know you'd be an asshole yeah off you go to morrison's one day and he's stood in bread aisle yeah it hasn't happened in a while but we did have a a few cases of uh, fake black belts. They, and, they, they get them, don't they? Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. Go on, lads. Yeah. Tell them. Not, no, not on our watch. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's always the same. It's embarrassing. You it's see it. Yeah, same. but it's a traditional belt. Yeah. Why are you wearing a, a tamagi with yeah, yeah, a flaggy yeah. wanker? Yeah. Why are you saying you're teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah, it's just not right. And they'll be like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, he's still a great instructor. We don't give a fuck. No, he's a great no, instructor. Take, take oh, your belt off. Just train. Don't worry about this. Yeah. No, it needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll come full circle again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just assholes lying. You that's know, it. Right, yeah. That's it. Anyway, man, you've been training jujitsu for a very long time. Um, whenever, whenever I'm talking to someone who, who's trained for this length of time, one of the questions you're always asking is, "What's the secret to longevity?" Like, uh, how old? How old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, I can ask what you want, mate. Forty-four, coming up forty-five. Yeah, you know, you're still in really good shape. You've been training for fucked thirty. Really? <laughs> okay, well, look good on the outside, but fucked. Really? Injuries how- everywhere. Don't train like I did. It's too intense. Too, yeah. yeah. Go intense, yeah. but just back off when you feel your body going a bit. Sure. We were just idiots. Yeah. Right? I think everyone it, does that. You Dan, think you're you get to the black belt yeah. a year yeah. early. Yeah. And then have 40 years knackered. Yeah. Just enjoy the journey and just go steadier. Just take a, just take a week off. Is you that what you're doing now? That's what I do. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can still train. I can still spar. I do. I do. But you just have to back off. And I wish I'd have done it before. Mm. Because you can't get this back. There's no money to fix this stuff, you know. Mm. Don't believe all that stem cell bollocks. No. I know I talk to all these doctors. Yeah. All these American football players that have got all money in the world and all these basketball players, you don't see them doing charity sport events, do you? No. They're fucked. Yeah. 
I speak to these consultants for stuff I've got wrong with me, and they tell me, son, whether you've got three million to spend, we, we can do no more than if you had three grand. Yeah. It's the same stuff as we used in the 30s. Yeah. I'm telling you now, they said, we're buffering them up to hope this stuff cap- cap- uh, capture, uh, catches up with us. This technique, this do technology. Do you think it will? I hope so. Yeah. I fucking hope so. But one of them said to me, I'll take your money, but it don't work. Really? I'll take your money, but it don't work. All this other stuff, well, this worked for him, this worked. Yeah, of course it did. Bullshit. And I'm talking men that don't know each other. Yeah. That you, you, you're paying money to have consultancies with. Uh, messengers, Skype, men you see in your own country, men you go abroad to talk to. Really? It's No, it, it's the, the drugs that have been around for 100 years nearly now, just yeah. better versions of them. Yeah. Buffer them up. Cortisone injections, the acids through your knees, the blocking this, you know, some nandrolone to create these synovial fluids. So all the same. Yeah. All the same shit, you know, I'm telling you. And when one of them pointed that out, you think that's true. You don't, you don't see Dan Marino doing running events or, yeah. or even Shaquille O'Neal doing charity basketball. They don't. They, they buffed him up for another 30 million for that season and then he's gone. Yeah. Belly walk and that, and, that. and I'm like, fucking hell, really? You're like, hey, I'm telling you this, hey, you can Fair leave enough. me or not, son. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so people just need to just, hey, train hard, be smart, but be smart. Mm. Just be smart. Have one, two or three hard sessions a week and just feel it and just think, listen to it. Mm. If it's going, it's going. Yeah. And just back off and it won't go because yeah. they're never the same again. Yeah. I mean, even powerlifters dance say everybody's got a strong back till they haven't. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I can Absolutely. train them all right, but I tell you what, oh man, I've got yeah. some damage. Yeah. Some serious damage. Yeah. Do, you, do, you do, do you do anything now? Do you do yoga? I think I've seen you do some. I, yeah, I, I do a lot of, I, I enjoy the breath work for a long time. So that, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I've seen you do some crazy stuff with the, with the breath work. So let's just talk about that a little bit. Like, how did you get into that? What benefits have you seen from that? And Yeah, well, well it, I mean, it's something that people need to study, isn't it? If they enjoy uh, doing physical exercise, you've got to breathe properly, especially yeah. if somebody else is controlling the tempo. Yeah. It's not like you're waiting to do another set of deadlifts where you think, I'll just wait another 30 seconds sure. to get my breath back. Often you're not in control of the tempo. Are you? So you've got to really do something where you can um, re- alleviate anxiety in position than that. Uh, and, and I mean, the breathing is so important. For what I remember through the medical parts of our studied of it, it's the only system that you can use to influence the other systems. It yes. doesn't work the other way around. You have to use the breath to influence your heart rate yeah. and things like that. And it, it's it's fascinating once you start to play with mm. it. And it's very um, it's very internal. It's very introverted, which is wonderful. It's very much about you. I found nothing which made you focus on you more than shutting your eyes and thinking mm. about how and when you were breathing. And it's a fascinating study. And it helps with everything. I yeah. find. Especially in jiu-jitsu, it helps with everything. Start, I see loads of lads panting and all sorts. Terrible breathing habits. Yeah. Shoulder breathing. I think, well, you correct that and you'll improve 5%. That's a damn sight easier than learning the jiu-jitsu. You know, like I've seen a fat kid. How will I get better, coach? Well, if you stop eating Mars bars, you'll improve quickly, mate, mm. you know. And there's some terrible breathing habits, I see. I don't do a lot of the um, the stretching, the asana, the postures, because I don't believe in it. Mm. I really don't. I, I, think, I, young, I think you should stretch yeah. within your range of motion. I don't like how they're trying to make these young lads be as bendy as hell that aren't naturally like that. That yeah. doesn't make sense at all. I think they're asking for trouble in, in later life. Yeah. Too much looseness around the joints. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you've got a, a, a genetic makeup, and that's hey, don't get me wrong. If you're feeling a a, a, a tightness, a, a tension, then you should continuously alleviate that. But if you're feeling a compressive issue, 
that's no longer yoga. That is jujitsu. Yeah. Do you follow me? I see lads going into stretches and I'm like, well, where is that aching? Yeah. And they show me and I'm like, well, that's not yoga. Mm. You're getting a bone on bone. Mm. Like, I don't care what your yoga teacher's telling you. She's full of shit. Mm. You know, but yeah, I think it's important to look at that as well. I think it's important to do it, but, but also from the, 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 the mindset of a, of a, uh, of a Western Northern European man done as well. You know, we're not, I'm not from Calcutta. My grandfather was a coal miner, so I had to learn it as the grandson of a coal miner. You can't talk to me with the with the terminology and the 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 cultural phrasing of somebody that's not from there. Sure. Don't let tell me to engage my inner soul and breathe into my whatever and embrace the Kundalini and feel the breath embrace my my I don't know my my inner chakra. Mm. When what you want me to do is bend over and fucking relax my hamstrings. Yeah. Then I'll do it. Yeah. You know, yeah, which I think, which I see in jiu-jitsu too. I see some shit teachings because people are being taught like they're a Brazilian and you're not. Teach him like he's an Englishman. And it's got nothing to do with the colour of his skin. Yeah. If he's from over here, this is our culture. We're very methodical. Yes. We do things in steps. And if you do that, you know, it's like with your own students, Dan, you can make them good very, very quickly if you approach it differently. Yeah. Like an Englishman teaching another Englishman or a Brit teaching a Brit. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. Often the Brazilian way of doing it, well, we're not Brazilian. We don't work with the hips like that. We don't. It doesn't, it's making no sense to this guy. Sure. And the yoga thing's the same. I do yoga, but study it and do the yoga, but also study Western physiotherapy whilst you're doing it. So you know what you're doing. Mm. That really helped me. It's more mm. fascinating as well, I think. Interesting. That answer that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, so... How do you get into sort of the breath? Because uh, what, what's it called when you get the vacuum? Uh, oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. See, a lot of people focus on that. That's why I didn't release anything else. I'm not doing it again because people want to, oh, that looks good. And they're missing the point. I'm yeah. like, well, the point is it's not supposed to be extroverted. It's supposed to be introverted. Let's, it just looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. That's the problem. We're, we're obsessed with how we, how we look outside, aren't we? Yeah. Well, the point is with that is you're trying to get inside yourself yeah. and fuck everything else. So yeah, but, the, but, but what what does that actually do? You know, internally. What? Well, yeah, right. So if, the vacuum itself. So same as what like you'd see Frank Zane and the bodybuilders do back yeah. in the seventies. Yeah. The vacuum you can practice that easy enough, and that's very good because it it, it it keeps from our point of view as Westerners, it keeps the elasticity in the in the um, help me out the diaphragm diaphragm. Yeah, makes it very mobile and creates a very good muscle memory. Mm. So when you're breathing, it's more responsive and you feel it. You can play some clever tricks then without mm. having to lift your chest. So somebody might be laid on your chest and you breathe into your gut. Mm. Then we want your gut, you breathe into your chest and you think I've got a bit of manipulation here. Eh? It's quite nice. Sure. The the gnoli, the roll. Yeah. You're effectively massaging your own gut. Like you would with your hands, but you're mm. doing it with your internal with your your, your stomach muscles. Mm. But it's not really breath work. That that's using breath work to do an internal massage. Sure. But you've got to be careful with that. Because I got some bad advice for one guy, and it, I, I inflamed a part of me actual intestine by overdoing it. No way. Oh, yeah. So don't believe a lot of this shit. Sometimes, Dan, you get... It can be like a plumber telling you about brickwork. Yeah. They're good at that, and they go on to something else, and you believe them, and you study it, and you think, that ain't what they know, wankers. Mm. You should have shut up. Because you get a lot of that with yoga, what you should eat. Yeah. They go into this nutritional shit, and you, you study Stay it. Stay in your like, lane. That's bullshit, that. Stay in your lane, mate. Yeah, yeah. So they tell you this, and you, you I've hurt myself, and you, you check it, and you're like, I've damaged part of my intestine because that was bullshit. What you wow. Were yeah. So just go careful. 
So steady, 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 steady with all of it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, do you do you do anything in terms of strength and conditioning? Oh yeah, yeah. But the 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 old man versions of the powerlifting movements. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, a lot of young lads don't realise, do they? Say I lift weights, and you only lift weights if you're actually doing the Olympic lifts. If you're not doing the Olympic lifts, you weight training. Sure. Oh, yeah. So I mean, I'm not technically good enough or young enough anymore to be doing snatches and cleaning jerks. But did you? you did you at one point? I tried. Yeah. But now, as I'm older, I break them down into the the the, the five or six compound movements. Sure. So I'll do be deadlifts, my squats, my standing press. Yeah. Some form of a bench press movement. Yeah. A pull to my chest and a pull from the top down. Yeah. It's, that's and to me that's it. Yeah. There is nothing else really for me, and I keep. I think it's very important we do that because it keeps you strong. Strength, being strong is important and it keeps the uh, the joints strong it keeps your mm. muscle intact and you can also do that when you're a little bit injured as well which is nice yeah yeah you can work around it mm. um and then the, the nutrition side of it as well so I've, I've heard you talk about the nutritional stuff and uh you put a post on facebook it could have been even a few years ago and i thought it was really interesting because it was kind of counter against a lot of conventional understanding of, 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 of what to eat yeah Especially when it comes to like uh, the difference between chicken and ruminants and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, I think what it what it boils down to is it, it's, there's a difference between running for your dinner and running for your life. Mm. People study a lot about nutrition, but I, I was I was fucked. So I have to I have to do this right or I'll die. Really? Know? Yeah, I've got I've had I've had two heart attacks and a triple bypass by the no time way. I was thirty one. Partly genetic, but so to cut a long story short. My family's got the same issue. So my great-grandfather died at 39. Sorry, my grandfather died at 39 wow. when my dad was nine. When I was nine and my dad was 39, same again, my dad had the heart attack. Okay, so they checked me and he's like, he's carrying the same gene. Yeah. So let's do everything right with him. Yeah. Let's change his diet. And I was an athlete. Well, I had an heart attack at 31. Really? So you can't really be too scientific about this because there were lots of variables, but the main va- main variable was they changed what I ate compared to my grandfather and my father. And that change made me have a heart attack nearly 10 years earlier. Oh, fuck. So something were wrong. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that? for sure. So a spidey sense went off. Did a little, 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 a light bulb in my head. What the fuck are they on about here? Mm. So then you start to read. Can you imagine how annoyed I was? Mm. What the fuck's this? What's gone on? I mean, I were in better nick than my granddad and my dad ever were. Yeah. How come I'm having a bypass 10 years earlier than my dad were? Wow. When he didn't do fuck all for years. Yeah. Right, so. And I'm being looked after. Yeah, of course I was. So then you start to read. Oh, what a load of bollocks it all is. Oh, what a load of bollocks. It's just lies and lies and lies and lies. All for money. Yeah. Lies and li- Oh, horrific stuff. Horrific stuff. The, the World Health Organization is putting out some real crap. Absolute days. nonsense. 99%. I, don't, I won't even pay attention. You're better off reading Sun. Yeah. You're better asking Jordan what to eat. He's probably there's, got a better diet. There's this big push for uh, vegetarians and veganism at the moment. I think vegetarianism can be very, very healthy. I think veganism, I don't know how they're going to get the protein intake, but I'd be very, very, very wary of how much poofers they were eating, the polysaturated yeah. fat. Yeah. That'd scare me to death. If somebody in my family was only going to be vegan, I'd be very, very worried about that. Because as, as far as a compound goes or as far as a mechanism goes, it's identified. You know, yeah. that the consumption of polyunsaturated fatty acids, vegetable oils, corn oils, any poofers at all, are incredibly toxic to humans in a way that's horrific. Yeah. That almost mimics radiation poisoning. Wow. It's awful. It's that simple. And Be- this has been pushed for a long time, Dan. Because yeah. it's cheap to produce. In fact, it's a fucking byproduct. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dream was pink. 
because they used to use it to clean farm machinery. Now they're telling you to buy it. Buy Benacol. Buy Flora Proactive. It's good for your arteries. Read what's in it. You can't fucking spell it. Yeah. Right? All this shit in these ingredients. Yeah, I'm not eating that. It's absolute junk. I'm telling you. It's just an inflammatory agent that'll make you die. Yeah. Or what should I have on me? Butter. Yeah. It's good for your heart. That simple. People don't understand now because butter was, you know, fats were Vilified, demonized yeah. so much. Vilified, yeah. Butter was demonized so much. Uh, I, you know, I stopped having vegetable oil. I, I went the coconut oil. Mal's better. Yeah, and and now I'm I'm on butter. Butter uh, but, and vegetable oil. Butter with pretty much everything. Butter yeah. and vegetable. Uh, butter is butter, butter yeah, and coconut. coconut oil, yeah. it, that's the only or lard. Yeah, but you need to make sure F- it's from a, and, but it needs to be from yeah. a ruminant. Yeah, so from a pig's no good because it tends to be polyunsaturated. Yeah, and that's the problem with chicken. So it, th- this is this is some of the, one of the most interesting things because well, it's, it's shit for you on several reasons, chicken. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I eat it, but it's not the. Well, I I used to, I used to, uh, I've always eaten a lot of red meat, and I always felt that that wasn't the healthy, like the healthy alternative is chicken. Yeah. And then after reading what you said, and then looking into it, exactly, you realise that actually red meat is the healthy alternative it to is. chicken. Neither of them are perfect because yeah. they've both got. We only ever eat the muscle meats now, don't we? We only eat the prime cuts because we're rich. Yeah. So you're only ever getting that amino acid. Um, range which is high in the inflammatory amino acids tryptophan cysteine all the ones which are inflammatory markers you're not getting the balance because we no longer eat the guts yeah. and the the, the, the ligaments eyes, and tendons the, the eyes. sinews yeah. yes just yeah. where, where the glycine is and the other ones which balance it out yeah so even even too much meat's not good you shouldn't eat too much unless you're going to eat more gelatin and more of the animal because that's yeah. what we would have eaten but the point of view whether if you want me to talk about this i will 100 yeah, right, go on yeah the the, the more I studied into it, and because you got to remember as well that not only were I running for my life and still running for my life, I, I, I'm, I'm interesting for these men to talk to mm. who are PhDs in this because mm. I'm an anomaly. I should mm. be dead. Mm. So like, well, this guy's worth having a chat with. So how are you getting on with that son sort of idea? Yeah. Americans, Brits, French, all guys really? that are on the money, on the yeah. mark, Norwegians, like, and they talk to me. I have correspondence with them. Wow. Chicken. Well, it's not a ruminant. So if you're going to eat meat, you need to be eating meat from an animal that's got more than one stomach because you need the fat to be saturated because it's incredibly healthy. You want saturated fat. Yeah. It's healthy for your heart. It's healthy for anti-inflammation. It's healthy for testosterone in males. You yeah. need it. Right. Like uh, fat is so important for hormone production and regulation. It's so everything. Things, yeah. There you go, Dan. There you go. Yeah. I mean, some of these young men, young little blokes now whose cholesterol's over five, he's got me on a statin. I yeah. shit myself for him. Anyway, I'll get to that later. So you need to be, if you want to eat some meat, you're better off with a ruminant. So yeah. lamb, sheep, cows, buffaloes, because ideally you want a ruminant that's been grass fed. Yeah. But even if it hasn't been, it'll clean a lot of the shitty fat through its system. So what you're left with is an inferior meat compared to grass fed, but it's still predominantly saturated fat that you're eating. You eat a pig or a chicken that's been fed grain. It's just dosed in polyunsaturated fat. If you look at corn-fed chicken, it looks like the womb of a woman with cancer of a womb. Mm. It looks the same. It's that horrible yellow colour mm. that looks like a smoker's lung. So that's what it is. Mm. It's completely poisoned. You don't eat that. It's just full of shit. It'll make you ill. And and uh, with with a chicken as well, you've, you've got that idea that if you're not careful, you're only eating three, four, five breasts a day and, and the, the wings and the, and the, and the legs. And... You're only eating the muscle meats again. Yeah. Where's the glycine? Where's the... 
the, the safe, if you're into to, to consuming the animal pro, the safest one seems to be the the fish of the sea, which is the seafood, because we even get this problem with with white fish. So white fish is white dry fish is good because it hasn't got the poofers. All this idea of three or four portions of salmon a week, I can't find any proof where that's. I can find completely the opposite. It's neat bullshit. Really, maybe one piece a week and be careful. Salmon. Well, it's full of polyunsaturated fatty acids. You know, it's steady. You're better off with a piece of white fish. But then, once again, you've got a muscle meat, high in the inflammatory markers. You're better off with prawns and seafood. Really? That seems to be the one, which makes sense from where we come from. Yeah. Think about it. You know, eating mussels and cockles and... Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's... So, so the vegetarian diet is very, very good. I, I mean... Like a pescatarian diet. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm very much that, but Kishinov often comments and says, yours is very... Very almost vegetarian, man. By that, though, there's no grain because the grain is just fucking dog shit. Yeah. And once again, I'll go in front of a judge and argue this. All the the science is there. Pasta, bread. Don't touch... Rice. Sometimes I eat it because I like it. Yeah. I eat chocolate as well. I I know it's not good for me. Yeah. The idea that grain's good. What about what about rice? Rice is like a weird one, which is kind of it's not quite like wheat. You're better off you're better off with white rice, yeah, because it hasn't got the phytates in it as well. Because not only have you got this problem with the the grains that I mean, the trouble with grain as well. One of the old guys was saying to me, one of the old PhD guys, saying the trouble is is because it's not an animal, they haven't got teeth and claws, so they had to develop their own defense. So it's all inside the husk of what you're eating. It's fucking poisonous. So we had to find ways to mill it, it and do it and cook yeah. it so you could eat it i mean you could just eat raw meat and fruit like that yeah you know uh and it's essentially a poison so you not only you're consuming polyunsaturated fat you're also consuming this thing which binds to all the good vitamins and minerals and drags it out of you so you're like a little frog trying to climb out of a well so mm. you climb up three days three three meters in day and fall back five in night so all this shit that you're eating you're just dragging all crap out of you all the good stuff's being dragged through your crap out of you, you know so grain in itself is just fucking... I mean, white rice, one of them showed me that if you're going to use rice, you better with white and cook it in a lot of water. I think there's a high arsenic level as well in it. So it needs really? to be heavy cooked in water so you can drain a lot of water out mm. of it. But ideally, just don't fucking eat any. Mm. Use fruit and tuba veg. Yeah. Like underground nightshades like potatoes or something like that. Potato- seems, white potatoes? It seems to be fine. Sweet yeah. potatoes? It seems to be fine. Yeah, really? it seems to be a lot better. Fruit's best. Yeah. I mean, one of them we're on about, there's an old guy called Ray Pete who was an absolute fucking wizard at it. He's one of these old fellas that were in the labs back in the day doing these tests with, so he's a doctor, but a PhD doctor. Yeah. So he was in the lab, you know, doing these tests in the time when they were done. Uh, so you can't bullshit him. He was, he's, I think he's about 80 or 90 now. And he made the point that there's only ever been two, there's only two food sources or two things on the planet that were there solely to be consumed fruit and milk mm. there is nothing else that is only there for the sole purpose to be consumed fruit and milk fruit wants to get eaten so you shit out that's that, the one that, mate yeah. it has to be yeah, yeah and milk has to be consumed so uh what's your take on drinking animal's milk it seems to be fine. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's well looked after again and uh raw versus pasteurized I need to speak to Dr. Pete about that. It mm. seems like it, it, he said in something, and I don't always, I don't like quoting authority, you see, because it's poor. That's a piss poor argument, isn't it? 
It's piss poor argument. What if, what if the guy doesn't believe the authority? Yeah. Jesus said, well, I'm not religious. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. He said that it's more important that it's grass-fed, whether it's raw or pasteurised. It doesn't allow pasteurisation is a problem at all. Interesting. You, you want the best quality you can get, which, which is nice because it means the animal's been treated nicely, which is a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because when I'm over in Tenerife, I can see the goats I get it from. Really? See, and it tastes incredible. And you can buy... Expensive milk's not expensive, is it? It's like buying expensive eggs. It's mm. not being a tight bastard. They're not mm. expensive. Mm. It's not the difference between a cheap car and an expensive car. Yeah. Is it? It's a couple of quid dearer. And you taste the difference. So in England now, you can get good milk, can't you? You yeah. can get good milk. And, and it seems to be fine. I mean, the argument of humans are the only mammals that consume the, the milk of another mammal. We're the only ones that sit well, down can, and record podcasts go, as well. Exactly. Well, go and get a dog. Yeah. Get me some milk. I'll put it in a bowl. Yeah. Right? Try and take it off him. Yeah. He'll have your bollocks off. Yeah. 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 So that doesn't seem to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah mo most of the vegan arguments have uh, pretty big holes in them, to be honest with you. Well, I, I, I think the argument of it being for ethical reasons is fantastic. And I wish, I wish, I only... Down at the nights I've sat there thinking... If only I could live on sprouting stuff and it'd be awesome. But Do, I'd, I'd die. The other point yeah. you see is that one of the made is that there's a particular mechanism in the human thyroid and in the human liver that when we consume animal fat, the mechanism works in a particular way yeah. in both the thyroid and the liver in exactly the same way as it does in every other carnivore. And it doesn't work that way in a herbivore. herbivore yeah. Which is... Proof, proof, proof that we're designed that you can eat meat yeah. yeah so that argument is you don't have to but yeah. nothing to do with the teeth and what we look like no it's it's how that mechanism takes place and those particular tools that are in there to deal with that which mm. just that's the end of that and i'm not i, I don't want to argue with i want to find what's right because it's for my life and, yeah and i'm i wish i could live on you know sprouting grass but i'll be dead yeah, because I tried it. Yeah, that's what they told me to eat for since a kid. Was it, it? Was it? Did they put you on like a vegan or vegetarian diet? All that shit. Yeah, really? all this. Not all the grain. Loads of grain. Loads of almost vegan products. But, no, yeah. no, hardly any animal meat. No animal fat. Thirty-one. Fuck you know. Yeah. Thirty-one. Yeah. Fucking talk to me. You want to talk? Come here. Running for you. You're running for your dinner. I'm running for my life. Talk to yeah. me. It's fucking bullshit. I'm telling you now. Yeah. The worst cases of atherosclerosis, which is hard that he's ever seen. Is in people that eat all those grains and no saturated fat. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely, and, and kind of the the one thing that you mentioned, which is the the problem with uh, it's undoubtedly for me. I think it's completely undoubtedly that we are omnivores. We're meant to eat animal products, omnivores, yeah. but we should eat all the animal products, all of it. The and broth, bone broths and the uh, marrow broth, the and lot. the you know the yeah. eyeballs yeah. and the yeah. intestines. And it's, re it's really weird because I mean, back in the day, your great 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 grandma would have given your great 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 granddad some broth when he had gout, mm. and she didn't know why, but she knew it were anti-inflammatic for his, mm. his big toe problem because they just knew it had the glycine in it. Mm. They didn't know why, but yeah. so so this is it. Can you supplement with? Glycine. Or? It looks like it's fine. Yeah, I think you got to be. I think you got to do it right. What? What? What is it? That you, is it? It's, it's not collagen, is it? But yeah, I think you can buy that. I think you can buy uh, the glycine's in the collagen. It's it's in the the basically in the gelatin. I think is it not a third of the? I think it's a third of gelatin. Yeah, I think it's about thirty percent. So that's where you add. You just add gelatin to. Yeah, a lot of people the do. Diet. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah. Do Do you do that? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's if you've got inflammation, if you want to helps you sleep as well. It does me. Yeah. If you put some. 
I mean, you could get away with just eating fucking gummy bears if you wanted. Really? I know some. I know Sam Bolt does that. You know, the yeah. MMA fighter up, up in the north, he yeah. just eats bags of gummy bears. But then, uh, but then you but have, then you could get fat. What's your What's your take on sugar? Seems to be a problem if you've got a problem. If you haven't, it's not a problem at all. As an inflammatory uh, mechanism, it, it seems to be a problem if you've got a problem. Oh, really? Only when you've switched over into the problem is it now poisonous. Otherwise, it's just bollocks. All this argument. Really? The 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 catalyst is the poofer. Yeah. Not the sugar. Everything I've read shows that, and I read like a fucking idiot. And the poofer is the polyunsaturated fatty acids. Okay. The 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 vegetable oils. Okay. The linoleic acid. The, the mix of that acid. and the sugar. Yeah, but the catalyst is the poofer. Yeah. So that seems to be what kicks it off. People, you you can yeah sugars. I mean, we run off sugars. Yeah. All the time. All the time we run off sugar. It seems to be a problem when you've you've switched over into the problem. Yeah. Now it's poisonous and you can't touch it. And the way to to switch back is to not consume any, it looks. Because mm. they go on these meat-only diets and it seems to work, doesn't it? I don't know anything about that. All I do know is yeah. that what I've that, seen. That, that's like a big thing now. Sugar people, isn't an issue People going on, on full carnival diets. Yeah. I think that could be a problem. That looks like it could be a problem. It seems to shut your thyroid down. Sure. Mm. It seems to be a fucking problem. Mm. Yeah, which is weird, but uh, anyway. Mm. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, it it interesting is interesting. Stuff. Well, yeah. I don't read, I don't watch many podcasts. I read clinical Scientific Sorry. stuff. Well, I'm an idiot. Yeah. So when you get the these special offers on at the Harvard journals, you know, thirty five quid for a year, I'm in. Really? And I just watch them all and read them up. On, on the subjects I know. Yeah. People say, well, what do you know about this? I say, I know fuck all. So what other subjects? So, so you're, you're shit hot on the nutrition? Uh, no, no, not shit hot. Only on the nutrition. Oh, on the specific part, part of heart disease. Okay, okay. Only for that. Okay. So they say, like, what about diabetes? Well, it's similar because it's it's linked to it. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. All diabetics have got heart disease. So it's it's linked. So you're on about for the inflammatory marker of sugar. It's horrific. Yeah. If you've got a problem. Yeah. If you want it, it won't do you any harm at all. None. That seems to be what the evidence shows. Yeah. If you follow me. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So if you've got a problem, if you're a fatty that's inflamed, you need to watch your sugar intake. Yeah. If you're not, you're all right. Well, I think all those billion fucking Chinese that work in the rice fields will prove mm. you that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what other stuff do you uh, read up on the journals? Heart disease mainly. Yeah, I like to study the uh, influence of, of of drugs for things as well and how it functions. And because I've seen a lot of, I, I made a post the other day actually. I don't go on Facebook much when I do. If I see something, I mean, but often they just get bypassed because some lads were on about the, the knee injuries that they've got. Yes, and they're talking about the rehabilitation, but nobody mentions the protocols that some of the people use in the other countries, which is just not covered in the UK. Yeah, people often need to go outside the box and see the protocols of doctors in other countries because it can be shocking. If you pay a few hundred quid and get a consultation with these guys in other countries, it can really open your mind to how, really? how different it is. Because I wrote, they were talking about damage to the ACLs and things like that. And I said, nobody's mentioning the protocol that they use in other countries where they use the 19 no testosterones, which is decodorabalin. Yeah. But we're not talking about... Th these are steroids. Anabolic steroids. Yeah. But we're not talking about a supraphysiological dose like a bodybuilder would use. You're not talking two grams a week. Yeah. And fucking looking like the Hulk. You're talking about a minute dose. Okay. To help help the recruit and some do they, they, they do they inject it into the knee? No, no, it's okay. just but it'd be into the uh, the um, intermuscular muscle, yeah. But this has to be done by through a doctor. But in some countries, that's the first port of call if you're an athlete. Really, they would get you on that because it, it cushions the joint whilst it's recuperating. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah, and in some conversations I've had with doctors about this are amazed that isn't involved in the protocol. They're like, what? And they don't. There's no landrolone decanate. 50 milligrams a week for 10 weeks whilst no they're like well that's amazing really I can't believe you don't do that 
and you mentioned it to some of our doctors and that you might as well have gone blah 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 bananas yeah not a clue like, why is that I've got no fucking idea you mentioned this hey I can't it is dandrolone decanate is aggressive to the, 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 the vessels the blood vessels more than testosterone so I, I won't I can't touch that yeah. fucking hell well yeah so you can trust me on that I've got yeah. heart disease man. Uh, but a lot of people, you mentioned anabolic steroid, people fucking shit themselves. Yeah. But there's a difference between using it for physiological dose for recovery and a supra-physiological dose for a guy that's going on the Mr. Olympia stage that's taking a hundred times too much. Yeah, sure. But in our culture, it's anabolic steroid. Is there a difference in use and abuse? Exactly that. Yeah. The abuse is insane what they use. They'll use a gram a week or more. Mm. I'm on about 50 milligrams. Mm. That's what I'm talking about, guys that would use in a protocol. Yeah. But it's not involved in our recuperations at all. And I find that weird. Yeah, you want to be having pineapple and turmeric. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Bollocks. Yeah. No, you need some decamate. Yeah. Whilst you recuperate. And you need an, end an, an endo to do it for you. Because your bollocks will shut down if you're 25. Yeah. And you need to reset your HP axis in your head. And, but you don't do this, you fucking... Don't ask Dave down at gym. Yeah. You'll be crying into your fucking shreddies. Yeah. Your bollocks won't work anymore. Your dick's limping. You're like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Fucking hell. Anybody listen to this, don't go and buy some fucking drugs from Jim. Jesus Christ. No, yeah. I'm saying that there's protocols in other countries which are just as high ranked as ours in team, in teams, in terms of how the world um, perceives them. First world countries that use totally different protocols to ours. Yeah. Totally different. And it, it fucking works. Yeah, I know a Polish kid the other month that hurt his shoulder and we were back in Poland and come three prescriptions, one for this, one for that, and third one with Eka. Yeah. And I was like, he was laughing. I said, I knew he'd get prescribed because in Poland that's what they do because they're not fucking stupid. Yeah. But our guys, it's like, hey, when, what, who? Take some ibuprofen. And it takes, yeah, good luck. Then have a heart attack. That's what it'll give you. Yeah. Oh, anabolic steroids. Yeah. Oh, you what? You would take this, it's non-steroidal. Yeah. It's probably shit then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it won't work yeah you know yeah. I've got pain in my leg I want some morphine that's what you want yeah yeah doctor's giving me this paracetamol that's gonna work what the fuck that annoys me Dan I'm like oh dear me oh dear dear me he gets sick of me ranting on about it <laughs> anyway what, what you know going back to what you're what are you doing these days floating around like a fucking like my mother says you're like shit in a field she says you get everywhere yeah. <laughs> So you spend half your time half, in... Uh, yeah, about half my time in Tenerife. Yeah. And get back down it. And, and the uh, rest of the time, really, you're okay. It's nice. So and I try and keep out the cold because it's nasty. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I don't blame you there. Tenerife sounds a lot better than... Uh, than uh, Sometimes, the UK. when it's warm. A lot but I time. like England. Yeah. This is a fantastic place to live. We get stuff done. Yeah. There's industry. Yeah. People do stuff. And we wake up in the morning, you've got to focus. Right, I'm getting this done. Lads say, oh, you're doing loads of seminars. Well, yeah, it gives me a reason to do something. It's nice, mm -hmm. you know. People ask me to come, and yeah, I'll do that. I'll come and get out of bed and not sit around playing with bollocks in the morning. Get up and do something, you know, <laughs> yeah. what it's like. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're, you're going around. Your seminar schedule is crazy, you know. You're just uh, very intensive doing two weeks, three weeks straight of seminars. Get on with it. Yeah, you day. should do it, you lazy guy. <laughs> so you know more than me. Get on with it. You say, I'm tired after three or four. What a fucking puff. Look at him. <laughs> Isn't it? I don't know. He's near a door than me. I'm a bit worried. Here. <laughs> it's on fucking window. But he's guillotine on. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to attend any of your seminars. You do most of them up in the north, I think. Uh, but I would love to, to see some. I don't get invited like, down here. Yeah. Too offensive. <laughs> he's offensive. <laughs> fucking hell. 
um, what sort of stuff are you teaching and like uh, what, 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 what are the sort of lessons that you're trying to pass on the people I teach what I know yeah. So you remember talking about Mauricio talking about the game. Yeah. I develop I, I develop directions as well and I teach only that. And I'm trying to bring back the older concepts and trying to learn it as a as a northern European person that lives in the northern Europe. Yeah, I, I, these, these concepts of the three phases of fighting. Cuz I, I interestingly enough I was trying to point it out to you when you were teaching me today with your guillotine that you're doing it as well without yeah. realizing you're doing sure, it. Yeah. There's three phases of grappling. Read into it. Yeah. Call me kata. Yeah. Grip fighting phase 1. That leads into phase two, Kazushi, yeah. posture break, which leads into phase three, the waza, the technique yeah. itself. But if you don't follow that, wanking dry, son. That's our favourite expression <laughs> of the north. Wanking dry. Little loop before you do that. You've got to get ready. You've got to get hold of them. Yeah. Move them. Then do something. And and does that come from judo? I don't know. I think it's just jujitsu, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know, Dan. It's just know. some. It's uh, well, you're the first person I've heard explain. I, but I picked it up over time that that's the way it's done. You know, like it's, you've got to get them, set them, and do your move. If you don't grab them right, you're not getting anywhere. But once you've grabbed them, you've got to get them out of shape, or he's too strong in position. Mm. He was showing us this today. Mm. This won't work because he'll posture. It's always the same, and you, you can spend hours learning that third, that third final phase. Yeah. The waza. It's bollocks if you can't do the first two. If you master the first two, you can be an animal in years. Yeah. Because you can just be... You see in UFC, Dan, uh, Ben Askram, Kalib, Kabib, how do you pronounce it? Yeah. He does it. Damien Meyer did it. Just mauled them. The guy's behind, didn't he? Can't get going. Yeah. You see frustration. Do you remember years back when... Um, Randy Couture did it to Tito Ortiz. Yes. And he cried after fight to T Ortiz. You could see he was frustrated. Yeah. Because it, it were a, a national level against an Olympic level. Yeah. And it, they never got into phase three because they block it, but they're constantly on back foot. That's why I'd be like, well, you. Mm. If I managed to defend you getting me, I'd be constantly defending and you'd, you'd be controlling me. Control and first two phases and nobody concentrate. Here's a sweep. Here's yeah. another sweep. Here's another sweep. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Roger Gracie, right? Shut your eyes and how does he beat you? Mount, strangle or arm lock. Yeah. Mount, strangle or arm lock. You know, that end position, the wazzy, you know, as one great man said to me, you only need one mousetrap, son. you just mm. got to know where to fucking put it. Mm. That's it. If you've got a shotgun, you've got a shotgun. Mm. You need to know all them ways to load it. All them ways. And then first two phases are everything. Somebody was talking to me about a, a podcast um, John Danaher did. I see, I sat talking with him a long time ago. If I remember it, with, uh, when I, John. with John Danner. When I saw him, I didn't recognise him to start with until they were on about him. I realised I knew him from when he had hair. Yeah. And the rash vest give it away. He said, he's always got a rash vest. And I said, I know this is now. Okay. Because I live, imagine I live in a weird bubble. Yeah. I just don't really pay attention. Sure. Because he's laughing at me all the time about music, songs I don't know, and this guy, and who the fuck's that? And he's laughing like, oh, where have you been? You, you live in a cave. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a granddad. Yeah. Come here, granddad. I'll show you how to use your computer. <laughs> you know, he's always laughing at me. Um, so yeah, one he used to be in in um, at Henzo's and Gordino taught there for a while. Okay. So one day I was sat I was sat watching telly at Gordino's mams and he came in and they were talking English and it was John. John, John did. Well, Gordino came in with John because okay. they were talking English. This, in Brazil. Was, this was in Brazil. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh right, hey up, and he and he was I was watching the program. I'm like, hey up, blah blah, and he, he started mentioning. So you're from England, blah blah, and he mentioned his end. So what about Gorthop? I said, well, that was that's my teacher. Uh, Dan Heard said, yeah, yeah, and what? Yeah, so he, of course, he's a smart man. And yeah. he knew, yeah, the arm lockers. I went, yeah. He said, how do you think they compare with Brazilian Jitsu, man? I said, at Olympic level, it's the same. And he went, yeah, I figured that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we went out and had some sushi. Because it was a five to one, you could just eat, yeah. I went, yeah. Oh, sushi, why yeah. not? You were like, going for McDonald's money, you know. Yeah. 
We sat with him and having a good chat. And so they run about, he's done a podcast talking about this. Was it with the Joe Rogan fella? It was, wasn't it? Where he talked Recently, to yeah. And I started to watch bits of it. But I think he, I think he missed the first bit. He said something. I didn't watch it all through. Uh, I think I needed a good toilet, actually. We were talking about this phase of fighting. And he started talking about it. And the first thing, you've got to get to the floor. No, the first thing is you've got to get hold of him. You've got to make contact. Come with us first. Yeah. That was the first. I was like, I'd love to see him again. I see he fucked up. Yeah. You've got to get hold of him first. But bringing this methodology into it really increases the rate of improvement of, of speed of learning. So I can get, where I've been a dick, some students I've had that I've got, haven't trained that long and they muller people have been training for years mm. because they've got very limited phase three. Yeah. They just do a, know a few submissions maybe, but the first two phases they understand. So they're a pain in ass to fight. Yeah. Very quickly. That's what they become. Because that's the point. You learn these first two and it's born, it's grip fighting on the ground and standing. Mm. So the seminars I teach is based upon what I know and it's based often on a lot of first two phase fighting. Of what you're gripping, how, and why. Yeah. And then you spar these positions of where very little's taking place. I say to people, if you watch a Olympic level judoka match or a, a Olympic level Greco Roman or a world class freestyle or jiu-jitsu match, from the start to the finish, ninety nine percent of the world's population says the same thing when it's ended. That's the most boring fucking thing I've ever watched <laughs> in my entire life. Because now it happens. Because yeah. they're just fighting for grip. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. And you go to a lesson, they're like, right, let me show you a sweep. Hold on, show me how to get hold of him. Mm. And let's focus on that. We spend hours with gripping with Steve and Gorsuch. Mm. With fingers. Mm. How do I? Yeah, but I'm going to get a stronger grip. What I want to do is I'm going to do a pull-up over a bow of my gi. Yeah. Do you know what that'll make you good at? Doing a pull-up over a bow of a bow with your gi. <laughs> You've got to do weird shit like you're doing with your fingers. Yeah. Ripping cards and yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, that's because you don't fight in a gi. Or, yeah. you know what you need to do? Fight in your gi. Yeah. And fight, grip fighting in your gi. Yeah. That'll strengthen your fucking hands. I yeah. guarantee you that because that's how they did it. And that's how they still do it. Yeah. Because no, you can't, you can't reinvent wheel. That's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah, sat in your mum's basement thinking, I know how I'll do it. Yeah. I'll make some device that makes your fingers strong. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Just do that. Do you want to be good at that? Right, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I try and get through these. So everything is based off of that that three One, phases. One, two, three, yeah. and I try and show the, the... And what I'll do is I'll pick a position I know that I understand where I can implement the three phases for them. Hmm. So they can go... And it's always always classic sort of core concepts, stuff that people know. And people ask me to come back and people say, fucking I'll learn some at the end. And I'm like, well, good. You know, I'm only standing on the shoulder of giants. Hmm. You know, it's not that they taught me this, it's that they did it to me. Yeah. And over years you feel it. This is what they're doing. You know, they're not actually gripping like that, they're gripping like this, and this is happening, and you pick it up. You run about this today with your guillotine. Mm. You realise over time that this worked better than that. Yeah. And this is what the guy was doing, even though he said he was doing it. It's not their fault. Yeah. Sometimes they say, grab the leg this way. And then when they do it on you, you think, that's not what you just told me. Yes. You're not, they can't help it, you know. A, a, lot of, a lot of people teach how they were taught, not how they do it. That's right. It's yeah. not right, yeah. But they don't do the concepts of the start. Yeah. They don't do the first couple of phases at all. There's no... By grip fighting, I don't just mean standing judo. I mean on the ground. Mm. You've got to engage in what are you holding mm. and why. And they'll say, I grab it like this. And then they go straight, no, no, explain what you're doing. Otherwise, mm. it, so are how pecky are we today. Mm. You barely showed me up, but you showed me everything. Because mm. I was obsessed with what your hands and your wrists and your elbows were doing. Otherwise, it's just shit. Yeah. I can't pick that up properly like that. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. 
Yeah. It's complex. Yeah. Especially when you start using your feet. Yeah. We've got our feet involved, haven't we, as well? We're not just doing this. We used to play funny games when we were kids, where in standing, the guy that got the collar and the sleeve before the other one got to stop and slap motherfucker across the face. <laughs> that made you grip fight hard. <laughs> Did. Imagine how intense that made it. Yeah, I can imagine or, that. Or wrap the knuckles. Yeah. Three hand out. Yeah. Right, go. Oh, you didn't want to get it because you got smacked. Right, down there and take it. Yeah. If you flinch, you got it twice. Two for flinching. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Here we go. You know? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's cool. But it's true. You know, every technique... There's there's no techniques in jiu-jitsu that don't involve your hands at, to some degree. So what you're doing with your hands, it must be very important. Yeah, and then in the legs with the grips as well. Yeah. How, so, how so, are the, that, these, I mean, hooks go in here. How do they go in here? Mm. What are you lifting? And I met the sweep. No, no, slow down, slow down. What are your feet doing? What's extending? Mm. You know how you spent five minutes explaining the extension of the hip? Yeah. You're only on about today. Will you extend the hip? Don't, don't extend the thigh. Yeah. I'd have spent 20 minutes explaining that. Because yeah. a lot of people will be nodding, Dan. They'll be nodding. And mm. they're nodding because they don't look embarrassed. Mm. You go around and you watch them and they're not extending their hip. They're still Correct, pushing yeah. the leg and you're yeah. like, tell them again. So, yeah. Blew it. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned earlier today that you were in the process of writing a book. Yeah. What's that book called? Surviving the Graces. Okay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. People are like, fucking hell, it's like that Red Belt documentary. They apparently have some of this... Kid robbed a load of money and never made a thing. I'm like, no, I'm doing it. I promise you, it's, I'm writing it. The other day I finished a chapter on Carlos because that were hard to write. Yeah? Oh, Carlos Gracie, yeah. That took some doing. So how... Yeah, go on. Well, I don't want it, to... It's longer than I wanted it to be, but I didn't want it to turn into fucking some opus. I didn't want it to become like reading Lord at Rings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or I don't know, War and Peace. Because it, So I'm trying to condense it. So everything I write, I then think, right, how can I make this Slim it tighter? Down. Yeah. But I'm lucky because... Um, one of the blokes I know really well who wrote The Last Wrestler, Marcus Trower, he says he'll edit it for me. Okay. So I'm going to chuck a load of shit at him and see what he yeah. thinks. But it's all, there's a lot done already, but I've got to get it right so people can read it quick and enjoy it as opposed to it just being this Too long. drawn out yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, what other graces, you, you've spoken about a few of them, what others do you have experience with? Uh, I never. I, I saw Henzo on the mat quite a bit when he was in Baja and I saw him beat quite a few lads up. He, he had an epic spa with... Um, with Kazeka Muniz, no gi, because Kazeka Muniz always got the takedown, but that Henzo always tapped mm. him out on the ground. And they were saying afterwards, how, uh, how, what a good fight it was. And, and I think they were talking about as well how Kazeka Muniz is a strange fella. Uh, I think they used to call him Peru over there because I think that's where all the knockoff goods come from. Okay. Because nobody was sure of his background or where <laughs> he was from. He spoke. Beautiful American English, but yeah. also fluently Portuguese. Really? I think Enzo had sent him, yeah, you're quite a good guy, you. Because when you first came, you know, we were going to kick the shit out of you. <laughs> <I think it's, laughs> but he's an interesting guy too, because Ekman is, because he went and trained with Alexander Karelin up in uh, Siberia. Wrestling. And he's got some interesting Greatest stories. Greatest wrestler ever, yeah. yeah. About how he could, the, his friends, the daughter of the friend of Alexander, Alexander Karelin, how he could put his hand on the head and lift her off the floor. Get out. Put her back down. Yeah, and you think, fuck, you know, talk about grip strength. A Alexander could do yeah, that. Yeah, could hold her head and lift her off the floor. Fuck. <laughs> he was a freak. He was a freak. Uh, yeah, so power's not important, eh? Yeah. Fucking hell. Any little story about him having a bear to train with as well or something like that? Who, uh, Karelin? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like a training partner. I've got a, I've got a bear. <laughs> <laughs> do you fancy doing it around? No, you're all right, mate. I'll sit this one out. Fucking hell, fire. Yeah, I, we, I wonder if there are any flow rolls there. <laughs> fucking hell, fire. I, yeah, we. Uh, I remember one day um, they, they made the combat team at Baja 
once he realised there was a little bit of money in it. And a lot of guys used to train in the mornings, no gi. And they had some good sessions. Was that, was that like an MMA team? Yeah. 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 But it was a little bit of more Valley Tudo as well. So a lot of the headbutts were still involved in that. Yeah. But they got like Daryl Gola over, people like that. Some world Olympic level wrestlers to show. Wow. It was a hell of a session. You should have watched that. Something else. And you got invi- invited to, to compete, sorry, to, to take part a little bit if you wanted. Yeah. Especially at the end when they only did the grappling. and weren't knocking the shit out of you. And I used to go in and you could spar a little bit with some of them. And uh, I got reasonably friendly with Babalu. Okay. Yeah, he, he got on very well with, with uh, he's, he's a fucking funny bloke, Babalu. He's a, He's a great big fella. Yes. And when he speaks, it's a little bit like Mike Tyson. You're looking for a bloke behind him. So where's that voice coming from? Yeah. <laughs> he speaks good English as well, actually. And uh, I used to get to spar with him a little bit uh, with my guard and that. Because he wanted to pick me up off the floor and carry me to the window. It was three stories up, Gracie Bar. Yeah. And he was looking at me, looking out the window, looking at me, <laughs> until I gathered what he were on about. You know, he said, I'll just fucking throw you out here. You need to open your guard, you know. And he said to me, it's not like you can do something when your feet aren't touching the floor. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, that's true. Obviously not with a Yorkshire accent again. Um, but it, what was interesting about Babalu is, um, God, I hope he doesn't hear this and then beat me up when he sees me. Fucking hell. Uh, he, he fought in the UFC down in London, didn't he? And yeah. Beat the shit out of Elvis Sinisic. Yeah. Now, Babalu's a really religious bloke. He's got, I think it's Psalm 26 on his back. But uh-huh. in Portuguese, years, sure. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. Tattoo on his back. And from what I gather, he made a right mess of Elvis Sinisich. I think he, I think he fractured his orbital socket, didn't he? He caved his face and he yeah. basically finished his career. He had to get reconstructive surgery and also. Yeah. And he went into a bit of depression after that, Babalu, you know. Yeah. Because he went away and he didn't fight. So when he come back on the mat about a few months later, on one Saturday morning, he was training like a fucking nutcase. Mm. People were like, where have you been? Mm. And he said, well, I, I stopped fighting because I didn't know whether it, I, it was right for me to, in, in the eyes of Jesus, to hurt another human being so bad. Wow. I don't know whether it was right. So I've been away talking to Jesus. Yeah. And some smart ass then parked up with, oh yeah, so what did Jesus say? <laughs> yeah. And in Portuguese. What, yeah, yeah. This is what Babalu says. Well, Jesus told me that I'm a fighter and that's what I'm born to do. He says, so next time I step into the cage, he says, unless referee stops it, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and no word of a lie, right? He then looked at me and said, do you want to spar then? And I went, <laughs> fuck no. No, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're all right, mate. Now I'm going home in a minute. <laughs> fuck you, no, yeah. I hope he remembers me. I hope these lads remember me yeah. because I was like the... I was to them. I think I was the gringo that weren't American. Yeah, I don't know if they knew I weren't American. You know, but he, he, I liked Babalu. He was he was fascinating. Mm. He's ex, he were ex special forces, you know, as well. Yeah, ex like parachute regiment. He's a scary dude. Yeah, yeah. But he going very very well, with Gordo. Yeah, Gordo give me beatings. Um, Did you ever meet uh, Elio Gracie? Elio, no, 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 no. I think he was more from the other side of the family, so no. Yeah, Carl's brothers used to come in quite a bit. There was Crowlin and Hillian. Uh-huh. And he was, uh, you could see that they had a lot of respect for him. They often used to bring up conceptual stuff up with him that people were a little bit stuck with. Grey areas. Yeah. The, one of Gordo's students, Celsino Vinicius, probably the best half guard player ever. Yeah. Like a little fucking hobbit. He had a particular strange sweep that he did. I don't know if, you, if guys have ever studied this, but they need to. Which, which was the original deep half guard before it got called a deep half guard. He used to sit up onto his elbow and sort of strangely get up and do a fireman's carry but his head on the wrong side and swept everybody with it. Everybody, ever so strange to watch. Yeah. I mean, he swept everybody. By everybody, I mean fucking everybody. Mm. I mean, I think he's won world title five times. So Mm. if it didn't work, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And I remember that Steve Campbell was on this mat with me. Same mat. So I have Steve Campbell if you get a chance. Ilian was there. 
and he's sort of, a, I think they regard him as a strange mind for jiu-jitsu. And they were, they got in a huddle, and I think they were, and for what we could see, they were discussing sell, sell, sweep. And it was sort of like, what would you do? when? They, and it was weird, because he played around with it for a bit with a couple of lads, and then he went, turn away and back out the guard. And that was f- fantastic to see. That lack of ego. Colin Houston. No, Ilion basically oh, yeah. said, in this scenario, you need to, Back out the guard. Yeah, it was terrific to see the 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 lack of ego. Yeah, and and the advancement of wanting to know the best technique available for the fight. There, to basically say, walk away. That's one of my favorite Defend- techniques. <laughs> yeah, back out. Yeah, well, yeah, back out the guard. You're not going to win that, especially from like uh, these days, from leg entanglements. Leg entanglements. Yeah, you know, from when people are attacking heel hooks. Spin and kick your foot out. Get the fuck out yeah, of there. Get the fuck out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like you're in too deep. Don't, don't like, stop get dig- out. Get out. Get stop out. Stop digging. Out. Yeah, get the fuck digging, out. Stop digging. But it was yeah. brilliant to see such a. Brilliant to see those men because it was three or four graces discussing to see them, how the it was all there was no ego for the fight. It mm. was we must win. What do we do? Mm. And no ego interfered with the process of finding the answer. Yeah, which was very negative and almost coward. We've got to back out. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Not what we're men. No, no, no. Yeah. It wasn't even in it. It was we back out. Yeah, you saw some interesting stuff. What else did we get to? Uh, oh, one of the ones that made me laugh as well is is my old dad. He's fucking his funny man. God, I only taught here about fifteen years ago, but he did come back onto the shores. I know because they did the Abu Dhabi. I think in about two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. Okay, and did Nottingham, and I know the the lads that weren't competing. Oh, the the ADCC. That's it. Two thousand eleven. Yeah, there was one before then, wasn't it? The Nottingham one was 2011. Was it really 2011? I thought it were after that. Bloody hell. Sorry, before then. Good God. Anyway, yeah. So in 2011 then, um, the lads that weren't fighting, or some of them that were fighting later in the week, they were on the mat at Victor Estimers in, in Mansfield, a massive matted area it was. And I got a phone call from from Paul Cole. I was in my, my mum's house in Doncaster. Somebody wants to torch him. We're going on. Basically saying... Get your ass down here. Yeah. And seen you, dickhead. Come on. And so I, down, I went down with my dad because my dad knows him well as well. So I got down there and it was quite interesting because it's a huge amount. And Gordo was on the mat sparring and they were doing quite long rounds. And my dad was sat at the, with his arms over the wall watching Gordo spar and fight with the guy. And it was ever so funny because uh, they were really going for it, really going for it. They were getting more and more heated. And it went on for about 10 minutes. And it was back and forward, back and forward. And then time were called and it stopped. And my dad said to me, I'll tell you what, he said, he, he did well there, Godo. He says, we started to get better with that bloke. He said, but I'll tell you what, it, it, for a few seconds it was, you know, close. You didn't know which way it was going to go because that stocky lad looked like he knew what they were doing, you know. And I looked up at Barry and I went, that sends out Gracie, that. <laughs> and my dad just went, yeah, he's pretty good. At <laughs> Silly old he's won the watch. Yeah. But uh, paid a panel. You got to spar with him. He was yeah. the absolute champion yeah. in Brazil for quite a while. And he was phenomenal because he played guard like he weighed nothing. So his game was like he was a little dude. Yeah. He was a big dude. And inverted. And he just tried all the shit out of you or roll you over. Yeah. Uh, Fei were like fighting a fucking empty jacket. Like he weren't stood in it. Mm. Uh, Flavio Alameda was a young, oh, he was ever so strong and had a very explosive game. They all just beat the shit out of you, to me. Yeah. yeah. There's so many of them, you know. Awesome. Yeah. So many of them. You got you got to tell the uh, the story of you competing in Brazil with Which Gordo's mum. You told me uh, at the gym. Oh dear, yeah, yeah, yeah. I weren't I weren't a particularly great competitor, and the, the the best I ever did was 
a, th- a third place at the Brazilian Nationals. I think it was 2003, 2004. But I was saying, that's still pretty impressive for a gringo to go there and, and, and take one of their medals. Well, yeah. I mean, that was the best I ever did. And I, I, I really went for it. And I, what, I, what belt was that? The purple belt. Yeah. And, and Legit. 2003, 2004. I'll have to remember. I think it was, or was it before? Let me just have a think. If I had to guess, I'd say it was 203. Yeah. 203, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... I'd been in four and I'd come back. And yeah, you have to bear in mind that Dercy Lima, which is Gordo and Godino's man, uh, two of her sons are world champions. They fought hundreds and hundreds of matches. So yeah. the, the house is full of geese and gold medals. Yeah. You know, I think there's probably two or three world, cha- three, four world titles between them and however many Brazilian titles, however many Pan American titles, on and on and on and on, you know. So I came back from the tournament. And as I walked through the door, she's on the phone to her sister. And I think she said to her sister, Ben's come back in. You know? And then I, and Dercy says to me, how did you get on? And I said, well, I come third. And then her sister's obviously said to her on the phone, how did he do? And Dercy said, oh, he lost. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course to her, if you didn't win, you, you just lost, you know. Third, just, yeah, yeah, that on. was just your best yeah. achievement, just Every, rip, ripped out yeah, from underneath you. Deflated. Uh, <laughs> you shite some. Back to England with you. you know. yeah. No dinner for you tonight. Oh yeah. Oh dear. We had a bit of a kick off and all in the, in the yacht club with one of the FJJ Rio tournaments. Um, I fought a kid. It was only it was only like a state fight, and I, and I fought a kid in the semi final, and he um, he beat me. But he was really stalling. It was every it was every advantage that we were beating me on. And as it finished, I called him a motherfucker in Portuguese. <laughs> And he didn't like that at all. And he started kicking off. And um, I thought, oh, this is going to go off this. After the after fight, after fight finished, I was stood in my area and they come across to, to have a word, that group. And it, it was as if they sort of, I don't know, as if I'd grew six foot as they got close to me. They sort of stopped. I thought, what's happened? And I turn around. And there's a big fella from the north of England called Chris Crossan. Yeah. He's actually part he's of Eric a, Paulson's. Yeah, he's yeah. a catch wrestler. That's him, yeah. yeah. Big and, guy. And he was stood behind me growling. <laughs> and I thought, fucking, I'm glad you were there. And he said to me, I don't know what they're saying, Ben, but first one that steps forward towards me is getting left up. <laughs> and I think they fucking knew it, yeah. I've never been so happy to see a Jody in my life. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's from, he's from Stockton, but i'm glad he was here that day yeah i mean a statistic i'm telling you yeah. they're fucking they probably ate me there, there must be some pretty cool street fight stories from from just kind of your time in general but imagine that in brazil they didn't like, give a shit yeah yeah they honestly yeah not cases well one of the lads over there uh he were called uh vinci Deutsch, 22 and he were um i learned that they call him that afterwards because that was the number on some medical document for someone that were deranged. Okay. There is section 22 or something. Okay. So, yeah. Because where we were, the I was about three blocks away from the gym. There's walking distance. Yeah. And a couple of blocks over in between, there was like a bread shop owned by the, a Portuguese guy that you could sit outside of in the night and people could get a beer and have a bit of a, bit of a uh, barbecue. Yeah. Jurassic was they call it. And they'd put, like, uh, plastic picnic chairs and tables out there. And people sit around. So you've got locals. Some some gringos might be there, but mm. mainly locals. And often I'd, it was in between me going and coming back. So as I'd come back, I might stop and talk to the guy who ran the barbecue place because he helped me learn Portuguese. Mm. And maybe I'd buy a bit of meat or whatever or have a drink of, of, of coconut water or something with him. And I always noticed that, that Vinci Deutsch sometimes would turn up. He looked like a valid male. Yeah. Vinci Deutsch, 22. 
and they they were a dog around the area. They were always sniffing around trying to get. You're obviously a street dog. Yeah. They were, were well enough fed because it got scraps and everybody used to fuss of it. And I don't know where it slept, but it never died because it were in real. Yeah. And then whenever it saw Vinci do it, whenever it saw twenty two, it just fucking its tail would go between <laughs> its legs and its ears would go back and it would fuck off really quick. And once I asked Gunnar, I said, "What is the story of that dog?" He says, "Oh Jesus!" He says, "Right, so twenty two were like in his mid twenties." He said, "And when he were about." mid-teens he was basically the same age as God you know he said we were at a tournament and he put a rear naked strangle on the kid and, and fucked up missed it it went wrong and so he should have won and then ended up losing by points and it gutted him and he was right bothered in the car and God and Carlinos never made a big deal out of it but it obviously really pissed the kid off that, he, that 22 that he'd missed the strangle yeah. so he realised he needed to practice it and all of us in gym were like <laughs> fuck off he said so what he'd been doing is he'd been practising it on this fucking dog <laughs> So this poor dog in the street, he'd run up behind it, right, and strangle it unconscious. <laughs> to the point where whenever this dog saw him, it just shit itself and ran off. Because he'd be hanging, hiding behind a wall, 22, and he'd jump out and practice his strangle on this fucking lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolute fucking lunatics. Yeah. Honourable man. Oh, no, lunatics. Yeah, I'll get me strangled, right? I'll do it on this dog. <laughs> this poor, every time he saw him, you see his ears go back and he went, <laughs> off. I bet the dog got pretty good at defending RNCs. Well, either that or it's dead. <laughs> One of the two. One of the two, I think, yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Anyway, dude, we, we've done almost two and a half hours now. Is that two and a half hours? Two and a half hours. Yeah, it gets very, very yeah. fast, man. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome, man. It's so good to, to, to hear your story and uh, to kind of, like I said, fill in another piece of that puzzle of the history of UK Jiu-Jitsu. And, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Any, any last words you want to say before you go? Any advice or... Fucking hell, don't listen to me. I'm full of shit. <laughs> don't say that. If he listens to you for two and a half hours. <laughs> no, it was great talking to you. Awesome, I hope it man. helps some folk. And anybody wants to ask me, then, then I tell them. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the truth about it. anything. Yeah. Anybody wants to message you and ask me, I'll, I'll, awesome. I'll awesome, come back man. one day and we'll do it again and 100%. talk some more shit. I love that. We might want some other questions. Because there's a lot in there I forget, yeah. but if you prompt it, I remember. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you could do this stuff all day long. Yeah. But man, I just, just want to say thank you very much for coming on. It's been a no, pleasure to have you. thank you for having me, young man. Nah, awesome, man. an old man now. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, buddy. Yeah, Cheers. Perfect. That is it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you want to find out more about Ben or if you want to follow him, then you can check him out on his Facebook page, which is Old School BJJ Ben Poppleton. Uh, if you live in the UK, there's a very good chance that you will get the opportunity to go to one of his seminars. He does a, a few seminar tours around the country every year. I haven't actually uh, had the chance to go to any of them, but I'd really like to go. Uh, I've only heard good things about him. So if you have an opportunity to go to one of his seminars, then give it a go. Why not? Uh, he also runs his uh, seminar camps in Tenerife. Um, if you want to find out more about them, then you can go to that Facebook page, which is BJJ Camp Tenerife, or you can go to the website, which is BJJCampTenerife.com. I'm actually in talks with Ben on potentially uh, going over there and teaching on one of those camps with him. So stay tuned for that, but that might be quite cool. There's a lot worse places to be rolling around than Tenerife. Um, as always, if you want to contact the podcast, you can email me, which is podcast at rosaryape.com. You can check me out on Instagram or Twitter at rosary underscore ape. You can go to my website, which is rosaryape.com or my YouTube page where you will find this and many other podcasts and many other videos, which is youtube.com forward slash rosaryape. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify. So... 
that's an easy way to listen. If you have Spotify, you can check it out on Spotify now. And if you're not already subscribed, then uh, subscribe or follow whichever the particular platform you listen to does. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will catch you next time. Take it easy.